Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. What's up? This is Michael Rappaport. You are now listening to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. On today's I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, we have some fantastic sick fucks of the week. LeBron blames updates. And Starbucks is not just a coffee place anymore. It's a fucking public bathroom. Plus, special guest, we are rebuilding the beast with Golden State Warrior, world champion Festus Azili. He is rocking with me on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We're talking about cadaver surgery. We're talking about graduating high school at 14, coming to the United States from Nigeria, being six foot five and have never played basketball in his life. He wound up getting drafted by the Golden State Warriors. A couple of years after that, he's an NBA champion. This guy's life should be a movie. Festus Azili is rocking with me on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We are rebuilding the beast with Festus. But first, me and G Moody got a whole bunch of shit to talk about. We're ranting. We're raving. Miles Jordan, I need something funky. I need something lovely. I'm hyped up. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, that's something funky. CIM Rapport Stereo Podcast coming live and direct. My name is Michael Rapport, aka the Gringo Man Dingo, aka the Jake Lamada of podcasting. You are now rocking with the best. I'm here with the three time podcast co host of the year. Uh, the man's name is G Moody. Uh, his last name rhymes with duty. Yep. G Monetti. 
always ready. Um, welcome to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, the home of disruptive behavior and the anti-social network. Um, how are you, Mr. Moody? I'm good. Everything's good. Looking, looking good, feeling good. Everything is good, man. I can't complain. Oh, okay. Um, that's know? fantastic. As I told you earlier on the show, today we have world champion from the Golden State Warriors, Festus Azili. Uh, this is one of the most bugged out interviews. Festus Azili played on the Golden State Warriors uh, uh, for about five years, played with the world champion Golden State Warriors, played on the team that lost to LeBron James, the famous 3-1 oh. series. Um, and he's got a bugged out story. The dude came to the United States when he was 14, six foot five, black dude, could not play basketball, couldn't play soccer, couldn't play kickball, uh, was unathletic, was six foot five, uh, totally fish out of water story. Um, five years later, I think it's five years, winds up in the NBA. Winds up playing for the Golden State Warriors. Got drafted five draft picks ahead of Draymond Green and just a bugged out story. So we are rebuilding the beast and getting the full Festus Azili uh, later on in the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Anybody who could talk about the, 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 the pain and suffering of LeBron James, Festus Azili uh, uh, breaks it all down because he was uh, there when they kicked he, his ass and he was there when they lost three to one. So it's a fucking bugged out interview, not just about LeBron, but his story. I swear to God, it should actually be a movie. Like his story should be a movie. Uh, uh, right. Just like like coming from Nigeria, being this, he talks about it. I, I, I don't want people to take it out of context. He talks about being a big black 14-year-old kid, six foot five, six foot six, never have played basketball. And all anyone wanted to do with him is have him play basketball. And he like he, he couldn't fucking he couldn't pick his nose and walk straight at the same time. Um and then he winds up getting drafted by the Golden State Warriors in the first round. It's just a bugged out story. So he's Man. coming up later on. He just had cadaver surgery on his knee. Um, so it, this is just one of the most interesting, most bugged out, uh, uh, interviews we've had. And it's, it's very basketball centric and just very fish out of water centric. And it seems like, uh, a, a great starting point is, uh, LeBron James. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Moody, you made yet another completely bogus prediction I don't know how long people can still refer to you as the co-hostradamus. <laughs> they still do, though. No, they don't. They don't do it in, in, all, in all sincerity. Now it's sort of becoming, and I'm just trying to tell you this because I've known you since 1982. They're mocking you. They are, no, they, you are no. being mocked. Because of Mr. the Mr. Morris is mocking you. Because the prior success. It's there, there is a precedent of success. So when one is wrong a couple of times, of course, they're going to uh, they're going to mock because I'm used. They're used to me being right. OK, do you remember the last time you were right? Because I don't I was trying. I went into the archives. I even broke rule number one of the Iron Rapport stereo podcast and I did an internal fact check. And I can't remember when the last time you were right. So I'm going to ask. I can. When was it? Uh, when uh, Trump won the presidency. Okay, when so over a year and a half ago was the last time you were right. Uh, yeah, I didn't make too many predictions uh, after that. Well, well, Trump, well, right now, Trump one of the fans benchmark. reminded me, 
one of the fans had to remind me um, that you made a prediction, and it wasn't just a prediction. It was a prediction with a bet. Uh, one of your NBA predictions of this season, you said the Boston Celtics would not make the playoffs, and if the Boston Celtics don't make the playoffs, the punishment was you for you that. to go on the, the train, the subway, and scream aloud, and I quote, I love the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I love the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I fucking love the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. It's three times. I love, okay. I love, and then I fucking love. Okay. So now you have but- to go on a train and and basically uh, uh, speak your truth, but scare and, and and essentially embarrass yourself because because oh, no. because of another bogus prediction. Uh-uh. A few days ago, uh, a few days ago, and I will give you the floor. A few days ago, you predicted that LeBron blames LeBron blames, and his Cleveland Cavaliers would sweep the same Boston Celtics. We all know that that. That didn't happen. Game one, they got the snot beaten out of them. They got uh-huh. the shit beaten out of them. Now, I've learned that it's only one game. Okay, and we'll get <laughs> nope. to the fact that it's all but, 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 but no, nothing from you right now, my friend. Please, you will get the fucking microphone. I will turn my mic off. You could talk about it. You said that they would get swept. They're not getting swept. They're not getting swept. I am not going to say that Boston's going to win this series. I'm not going to say that yet. I was burned uh, many times by this fuck. <laughs> you don't got no balls. If you're so confident I don't got no balls. Team, it's, not, it's one thing to have so balls, and it's but another thing to make fucking off-the-wall predictions. No. Nope. That my drunk... You don't have balls. My, my, you don't my, have my, it. Balls? You, you like said Boston. that the Celtics were you getting like swept. You, your fucking balls. Where are your fucking balls, I got man? Em. I always say it. I always come out with it. You... Like Boston, you're riding these motherfuckers' jocks. Why don't you come out and say, yo, because I love Boston so much, uh-huh. I'm going with them. You don't got the guts. <laughs> you don't got the cojones. <laughs> you don't got the balls to say that. But when I come out, I come out like, fuck it. I believe this. I stand on the convictions. And the statue of limitations ran out for that first bet. No, it, it didn't, your you job. fuck you. It's they, your they, job. They made the playoffs. It's playoff time. You got to hey, make that hey, fucking video. You made your fucking dunk video, and that caused a whole uproar. You're going to make that fucking video in the train, the two train, rush hour, you fuck. Not in the nighttime, not in the middle of the day, rush hour. I don't care if it's morning after rush hour or afternoon rush hour, you fuck you. You get on that fucking train and you're going to say, and I quote, right. I love the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I love the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I fucking love the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast because the first two probably won't get that much attention, but when you curse loudly on a train, People are going to be like, whoa, we got a fucking nut job. And then you could creep off the train and that the end the fir- and any further humiliation. All right. So P- you picking Boston? You, you, you riding with them? Yes. Why, why can't you just ride and say, yo, I got them to win it? And I said a sweep. But when you win one game and, and you don't win another game, that's, that's a gentleman's sweep. So we still, oh. we still rocking with that. M- mi amigo. Mi amigo. And I am, I am sort of bilingual. Mi amigo. We know very well that I know what a gentleman's sweep is. I was the guy with the broom in Cleveland last year. Let us not forget. I was that guy. I was that guy. I was that guy that after I came into the building with a broom, okay, 
they announced on the loudspeaker for everyone to hear, no brooms will be allowed in the building. Right. And I was the only guy. So they should have just said, Michael Rappaport, if you're here tonight, you fuck, you're not allowed to bring your broom in. Right. I was that guy. That's me. That's not a myth. That's not made up. That's who I am. So I know what a gentleman's sweep is. And I'll okay. tell you this. Okay. I'll tell you this. Thursday, the 17th, Make sure you watch Skip and Shannon. Make sure you watch The Herd, because I'm going on Fox Sports, okay? And, and I'm going to bring some fucking, I'm bringing brooms, I'm bringing towels, I'm bringing a dust buster, I'm bringing all that shit, because Shannon Sharp with his fucking LeBron James envy, and you, you fucking guys, it's over. And if he's but, so fucking smart, he would have the, the smarts to hire a coach, who he would listen to and get some uh. fucking teammates talk about with some balls besides some Kevin Love. He put this team together, and this team is going to fuck him. This All team right. will be fucking LeBron James out of the finals. You fuck you. I say that All to right. you. You move. Right. Right. You fuck right. but, you. But, 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 but you're not, you not uh, caping for Boston. You're straddling the fence. I just said they're going to beat bullshit. them. Uh, you, you, so you saying this shit right now. Boston wins. Say it. I said Say it. it I said it the last podcast. Oh, no, you're straddling the fence. You said you just said earlier today, just a few minutes ago. I don't know if they're going to win. See, that's soft shit. Why don't you come out with it? Oh, okay. I'm going to come out with it. Boston is going to beat the fucking Cavaliers. Okay. They might sweep these fucks. Talk Uh. about a. They might sweep these fucks. Your guy's out of gas. He's out of that A Rod. He's out of that Roger Clemens. He's out Uh. of that Lance Armstrong. Oh, oh, suggesting he's on. I didn't uh, suggest anything. These are just other great athletes. Oh, he's out of that Sammy Sosa, that Barry Bonds, that Ben Uh. Johnson. Yo, dude, these dudes ain't winning another game, man. So, so you're okay. Watch what I tell you. Because Wednesday we don't. All right, you know what? Okay, here it is right now. I am telling you right now, emergency podcasts will be dropping after game two on the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast app for premium listeners. Me and G Moody, Gerald, you fuck. I'm telling you, I am going to be in your ass. No, Bruno. (laughs) I am going to be in your ass. No, Bruno. Live podcast, you fuck you. All right, all right. Live podcast, you fuck you. See, I'm wrong. Because I got the balls to say, yo, I believe this, and I don't give a fuck what nobody say. You straddle the fence. Oh, they might win one and then two. I didn't Why don't say. You come I just out? told you what it is. Okay, now now you did. You got after, the balls. I, you sound fucking nuts. I You're going to be on the train. Your You're going to look nuts for, for making these fucking off-the-wall predictions. Just like Trump. <laughs> I want to say this uh, to Mr. Morris. Who, who, who does a fantastic job uh, as the Minister of Defense. Also want to give a shout-out to my man, Darts Golden, who we got to get him back on Twitter. Um, uh, Aaron, the entire Rapper Pack, Vermont Rapper Pack, South Carolina Rapper Pack, everybody out there. I'm not fact-checking. I'm not fact-checking. So I'm giving an entire shout-out to everybody. But, but you, Mr. Morris, stop posting G. Moody as the co-host Radamus. Do you see what you're causing? This fucking guy thinks that you're sincere. Or at least uh, just tell him. Yeah. This is being done out of sarcasm, Moody, you fuck you. Why did they make it in the first place? You're one for Crazy, 63. Baby. Nah, go back. Because nobody would make it if it was just a one-time thing. 
I've been right all the time. Think about the balls I had when when, when LeBron when, when LeBron and the motherfuckers was down three one. I said they were going to win. Only guy, the only fucking guy. That means I got heart while you straddled the fence and you were fucking dying. And they won again, and then they won again. It's you. You don't got the ball uh, to come out. The metal, the grit. You don't. You you're, you're not a fucking mensch. You don't got the balls to come out. <laughs> well, we're game one in that series. We're game one, Golden State. Golden State is now up one game to nothing versus the Houston Rockets. Uh, that is going to continue to be a great series. But the Boston uh, uh, Cleveland series, you know what I got into? Moody. I did this for the what? first time. They, they call them uh, prop predictions. Uh, they're the bets within the game, within the game. And I love this because I, I, I said I was confused and I was emotionally torn on how to do this. But I, I did this for the very first time and it was dope. Uh, game one, these predictions. Like it could be something as simple as in the first quarter, who will win the jump ball? In, in the first quarter, will the Cavaliers make three or more three-point plays? Uh, and, oh. and, and it's going throughout the game. They're, you know, they're bets. And and it was it, it kept me so involved uh, with the game, um, and, and I'm going to continue to do it because it just for me like I get so emotionally uh, uh, out of control with the fucking Cavaliers. This gives me something to focus on. But you know what's funny? My my prop predictions, game one, I bet twice on LeBron James, and that fucker he fucked me. He fucked me. Game one, he fucked right. me. And then after oh, the game, did you see him with his big fancy memory tricks? Oh, oh, because he's a savant. He's a basketball yeah, savant. He's a, he's a savant. He's a basketball savant, but he doesn't yeah. like to hire coaches that know more than him. So he got Ty Lue sitting over there. Uh, he almost killed poor Ty Lue. And I don't mean that as a joke. Uh, he, he, he had Ty Lue, you know, we, we, uh, you know, had to sit out from the stress. Okay? And everybody will go, Ty Lue, Ty Lue. We'll see how good of a coach Ty Lue is next year when LeBron is in Los Angeles. We'll hey, see what kind Ty of a Luke, fucking coach he is then. He never said he was a great coach. He got plucked out of obscurity, and he took advantage of his position. He never said he was Pat Riley. He never said he was fucking uh, all these great coaches. LeBron put him on. Everybody knows, and when LeBron breaks out, T. Lou going to break out. Same shit. Well, uh, the sports betting thing was big because a huge thing was passed. Um, the Supreme Court... The other day, struck down a 1992 federal law that banned commercial sports betting in most states. Essentially, sports betting is just one step closer, a couple of cunt hairs away from being legal across the country. Yeah. And, and I think it's an interesting thing because it's like if you can't beat them, join them. And if there's money to be made... Listen, it's not the 40s, you know what I mean? It's 2018, right, right. And, and the United States of America, um, and if they, if they do this legally, it's like weed. It's like, why let the bad guys make all the money uh, when we can make all the money? No disrespect to any uh, weed dealers out there. I'm just saying, they're like, if there's money to be made, uh, uh, they're going to get their hands in it. And, and I don't know the details of it. I don't know how it's going to work, and it's not etched in, you know, there could be, I, who the hell knows? It's good. I, I think it. it's good. Yeah. Uh, when you go to the games, they're going to have these little iPads. You're going to be able to bet on the, on, on uh, who's going to make the free throw. If the guy's going to, it's going to be, 
It's going to be like that in the future. You're going to be able to bet, like you said, on uh, who's going to win the tip-off. You bet everything. I'm with it. Why yeah, not? I'm with it. And I think it's just another way to make sports interactive and all that stuff. So I, I think it's great. Uh, we are in the midst of the NBA playoffs, and I, and I am telling you right now, usually uh, an emergency podcast is impromptu, uh, but after game two tonight, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, uh, uh, May 15th, we will be doing an emergency podcast, me and G. Moody, um, discussing yeah. game two. Matter of fact, let's just, let's just, that's happening. That's happening. We're, we're doing that emergency podcast, and you know you can get all emergency podcasts, all emergency short films, all of the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast archives on the premium subscription for the app, $2.99 a month, and it's well fucking worth it because when, when the Cavaliers are down two games to nothing, I want to hear what G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, has to say. Let's move on. Can we, can we right. agree to move on? Yep. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Make hey, crazy here, man. Yeah, what's up, Moody? Hey. Uh, hey, did you hear uh uh Starbucks is um 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 their response to the racial stuff is to open all bathrooms to all customers, to all people. I don't agree they, with it. That so that tells you the incident that happened with the two black dudes in that rest in that Starbucks in Philly. That tells you it wasn't about race. The media presented it as race. Because why would the policy change? Why would the bathroom policy all of a sudden change? Because that's what it really was about. So now, as a result, here's what the owner, uh, the CEO, Howard Schultz from Canarsie, Brooklyn. You got to be like Steinbrenner. You can't be doing this shit. You fucked yourself up. Here, check it out. Quote, we don't want to become a public bathroom. But we're going to make the right decision 100% of the time and give people the key because we don't want anyone at Starbucks to feel as if we are not giving access to you. We're not giving access to you to the bathroom because you are less than. You see? Now, now that will turn, that move will turn uh, Starbucks bathroom into fucking downtown L.A., uh, 40 deuce, all vagrants totally will be agree. in those bathrooms. Totally all of them. agree. And then, and then, and then a lawsuit if you if you refuse somebody the key based on the uh, how they look. If they look like a vagabond and you say, oh, you can't have the key, then you open yourself up to a lawsuit. You're gonna you have see? motherfuckers coming in there taking sponge baths. You're gonna have motherfuckers in there grooming themselves. You're gonna have, yep. and I'm gonna tell you something. I'm somebody that understands and has no problem with the rule. The bathroom is for customers only. And I am also somebody that respects and upkeeps a nice, clean public bathroom. Meaning, right. when I go into a clean public bathroom, I treat it as such. Right. Okay? Right. And I'm not one of these people who pisses on the floor. I'm not one of these people who throws my tissue on the floor. And worse, because we all have been in public bathrooms, men and women, that are disgusting. When one is right. well-kept... I appreciate it. So now, yes. whether you're a customer or not a customer, you could go in there, drop a deuce, yeah, piss all over the floor, give yourself a sponge bash, brush your teeth, take a yep. fucking nap, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah. I think it's bullshit. Yeah, and you see, if I was him, if I'm Howard Schultz, the, the CEO, I'd say, oh, the reason why this happened 
was because they weren't clear on the policy. So now, as a result of this, we're going to state the policy. We're going to put it above the door. Right. Customer, bathrooms, bathrooms are for customers for only. Customers. I don't give a fuck what Boom. you think. Boom. That's it. But the race mafia hit them up hard. So the company is put in a position to where it's like a public relations nightmare. So what you did was shoot yourself in the foot and open yourself up to lawsuits if one of those baristas deny anyone the key. You're dumb. You should be like Steinbrenner and say, fuck this shit. This is what it is. I totally agree. I totally agree. And now if you work at Starbucks, not only are you making coffee and not only are you, you, you making Egg McMuffins and all those things, you're cleaning a bathroom because I guarantee you they're not hiring an outside person to clean the shithole bathrooms that are going to be, especially in, in, in the cities, especially yeah. in, in the areas where there's foot traffic. And this yep. don't have to do with race, creed, or color. Motherfuckers yep. are going to be coming in there shitting on the floor out of spite. And Holy I'm going to be the guy who really has to use the bathroom because I'm a sufferer of ulcerative colitis and I'm going to walk in there and God forbid I slip on somebody else's human feces. Then Work. who's the asshole, Howard Schultz? You fucking punk. Yeah, that's right. Yo, you're supposed to know. You're from Brooklyn, man. Yo, you set the policy. It's my company. The customer is right. But this happened because the customer wasn't clear on the policy because it wasn't stated. So now, you, you, now you're going to have 40 deuce in all of your bathrooms. And you can't backpedal from this. You can't. I totally agree. And I think Howard Schultz uh, uh, punked out. Yeah. And uh, you're getting soft, Howard Schultz. You're supposed to be from BK. You're supposed to be yeah. from Crooklyn. Manhattan keeps on making it. Brooklyn keeps on taking it. No, that's not the case anymore, is it, Howard Schultz? Uh-uh. It's a coffee. Homeless. And and I gotta be honest. At my local Starbucks, I already saw this today. I saw a motherfucker in there talking loud, talking, cursing, bringing attention to himself, FaceTiming people on his phone, being obnoxious. See, nobody said shit to him. It was a brother. I'm not saying what it was because I don't want. Tell me, motherfucker. Tell me. Oh, it was a black guy. There's a fucking black guy. Now, yeah. you, the people at the root, you want to write your, your May expose on me? Go ahead and write it, you fucks. <laughs> Go ahead and Yo, write it. But, but, and, but, but also, this is- and also this. Everybody was so upset when I... Hey, what, 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 is any new Janet Jackson shit come out since Janet Jackson Appreciation Day? <laughs> huh? I'm Yo. asking you, Moody. Oh, I didn't hear she had no... Yeah, she uh, don't have no out. shit popping off. Rihanna got shit popping off. Oh, Rihanna's bad. Hell yeah. Rita Ora got shit popping off. Cardi B got shit popping off. <laughs> Janet Jackson, she's a legend. She's this, she's that, and the other. I haven't heard any new bangers from Janet Jackson. No disrespect to Janet Jackson, but that's what these people got all upset. Oh, you're a racist. Don't talk about Janet. Suck my fucking dick. Oh. Yeah, suck it. Yo. Not Janet oh. Jackson. I know Janet Jackson. Right. I fucking know Janet. You know what Janet Jackson's favorite movie is? True Romance. You know who happened to be in True Romance? Me, you fuck you. <laughs> me. Yo, but homeboy. You threw me that... for a loop with that shit. Howard wait, Schultz. Wait. Home, homeboy at that Starbucks getting galvanized because he know. Yes. Yo, they, they, they put that company in a retreat. It's the race mafia. Money, money was in there acting like up. I want someone to throw me out. I'm looking for yeah. this lawsuit. Yeah, that's that's the new hustle. Because I don't care if he's white or black. 
Homeboy who was in there like talking loud, he's FaceTiming, screaming, yelling. Da, 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 yeah. Man, get the fuck up out of here, dude. Yeah. See, that's how you're supposed to deal with it. It doesn't matter what color you are. White, yeah. black, I Asian, Chinese, fucking Puerto Rican, Spanish, French, German, Italian, Australian. You in here talking loud, face FaceTiming like this is your house. Get the fuck up out of here, Duke. You're, dis you're disturbing customers. What would Aiello say to him? Hey, you cocksucker! <laughs> hey, asshole! I'm trying to drink my fucking vanilla latte! And you're over there screaming and yelling! Did you buy a coffee? <laughs> Don't worry, I got my fucking latte! Did you buy a fucking coffee? No! <laughs> then get the fuck out of here! I don't own the fucking joint! I don't give a fuck, you're disrupting me! And everybody else! I'll buy you a fucking blueberry muffin. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> exactly. I want to put this out in the zeitgeist. I did a podcast with Ben Baller. It's coming up. Dope podcast. And he asked me point blank. Why isn't the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast sponsored by a cough drop? If anybody should be the sponsor... Of a cough drop. And if, and if anybody wants to test drive a cough yeah. drop to see, oh, well, I make the best cough drop in the world. And to prove it, I gave Michael Rappaport a cough drop for a week and boom, his cough disappeared. Right. I mean, it sounds Looted. like an off the beaten path sponsorship, but I mean, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast cough drops. If, if somebody has a cough drop that can cure this cough, the cough of life, they'll be a billionaire. <laughs> Ludens, where you at, Ludens? <laughs> where you at, Ludens? Um, totally agree with you on that, Moody. Uh, yeah, totally, man. I, I, and, and really, I think that is some bullshit across yeah. the board. Uh, uh, Look what and, they did. And I yeah, think that, that, you know, public, uh, you, you want to use a public bathroom, it should be a public bathroom. But in my opinion, listen, there's other places to go. No disrespect to the less fortunate, no disrespect to the homeless. But, Starbucks is a place of business. It's not a fucking public bathroom. It's not a place Word. you come in and brush your hair. It's not a place you come in and clip your toenails and all that other shit. Hey, that's what I say. And you see how they presented it as race, but it wasn't about that. You see? It got people all up in arms and all that. I knew what it was about. Bathroom. And they make it seem like, oh, black people can't, or we're sitting there and, 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 and they called the cops on us because we're black. Get the fuck out of here. It was about the bathroom. Hence, uh, the policy changing. Oh, that, that's in response to uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to open up the bathroom. You, you didn't say it was about the bathroom. <laughs> um, Bullshit. This was another thing that got me riled up. And, and I can only do so much. I can, only, I can only amp it up so much, Moody. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I, I blow a fucking gasket doing this shit. Okay, um... But the other day I saw this, it was all over the news. There was a quote-unquote sex expert. Uh-oh. <laughs> a quote-unquote sexual, sexuality expert. Not sex, but, but like on sexuality. And this is just, I don't know how you get, I don't know if this is this woman had a degree or not, but she was on some show. Her name is Deanne Carson. And she, she was saying in a way to like have Boys and little girls uh, uh, respect boundaries and all and all that stuff. I agree with 
you know, obviously, you know, we need to teach these things at home. But she was suggesting this sexuality expert who may or may not even have kids herself. I don't know if this woman has kids herself. Deanne Carson. Probably she, not. I, don't, I have no idea. I have right. no idea. I, 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 that's not the point. But the point is, is that if she had kids, she couldn't make this outrageous suggestion. Exactly. That parents, starting immediately, fresh out of the hospital with a three-day-old, one-year-old, two-year-old, six-month-old, 19-month-old, whatever, should ask their kids with their shit diaper, with their diarrhea diaper, with their piss diaper. You remember when your kid's little, how many diapers you change a day? You're, you're, yep. a, you're a diaper-changing, shit-changing machine. Any parent who's changed diapers, any aunt, any grandparent, any babysitter who has changed little kids' diapers has gotten shat on and pissed on right in their face. Now, I don't, I don't have little girls. I had little boys. I don't know if women, uh, girl, little girls pee, the trajectory goes like that, but my two sons pissed in my face numerous times. Damn. That's just the nature of the beast. Rest assured, I pissed in my mom and father's face as you did, uh, G. Moody, and we know your last name rhymes with duty. This lady is uh, suggesting, <laughs> uh, uh, with infants and all that, we should ask our little kids when they're sitting there with a diarrhea diaper, can I change your diaper to sort of develop a, a voice for the kids? Listen, crazy uh, lady. Oh, shit. Listen, listen, you, have you ever been in a movie theater? Have you ever been on an airplane? Have you ever been on a New York City train? And all the other places? I change my kids' diapers, and you talk about public bathrooms. When you have to change that shit diaper, you'll go anywhere. I've changed it on park benches. I, listen, I, I love babies. Everyone knows this about me. I love my, my sons, carrying them around. To have my own kids to carry all the time, fantastic. But I draw the line at a shit diaper. We're going to change that shit diaper. And I'm not asking a nine-month-old boy, can daddy change the shit diaper? I'm changing the shit diaper. So I don't know what and, this lunatic is talking about. And how, yeah, it, I, how, how are they supposed to answer? That's what I was saying. What, what language? Since they haven't formed language, how do you know the answer is yes or no? Have you have you gotten to that part of the the, the thing? I, See, I would hedge my bet since gambling is going to be legal, and say this woman doesn't have kids. She doesn't know what. This is just some I, wacky shit to get her on CNN. Yeah, yeah. You can't have kids with that type of uh, uh. That's not even logic. That's ridiculous. How did they come up with that though? If you're a sexuality expert, how did you come up with that? What, where, where, where's the case study that they can understand English, that I can ask a question I'm asking and I will a get a response? See, that's that, that's that millennial bullshit. We used to, well, how do you feel? Do you want to go to the movies? What, what do you want to do? What do you want to eat? Listen, here's the Listen, food. Man. Listen, when I was 16 years old, my father, by the time I was 16, my father, when I was lucky enough to have a home-cooked meal, he'd put a bowl of pasta. He wouldn't even heat the sauce up. He put it outside my door, literally... Knock on the door like I was in jail, and, and it would be on the floor outside my door. Okay, all this Brady Bunch shit that people are talking. Oh, we're gonna have this, and like, a, and we we're gonna give their voices. You give their fucking voices, and you know what you wind up with? A study that just proved that just said that millennials, teenagers, and early twenties are suffering from more depression than ever. And I feel yeah. bad about it, but it's because we're giving these fucking kids. Too much of a voice before they've earned the right to have a voice. Imagine, yeah. you remember how dumb 
You were at 19, Moody. Remember how, I know how dumb I was at 19. I was at my dumbest, probably at 23, right. 24. But at 19, you think my father could give two shits about what I wanted to eat for dinner? Right. He right. wanted me fucking out of the house. <laughs> I want you out of this fucking house. Get the fuck out. I don't give a fuck where you go. You're lucky I give you five fucking dollars. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. You're that, asking that's, that's a two-year-old. If you, at, at, at two, my kids were still wearing diapers. Imagine asking it. So if you ask the two-year-old, do you want daddy to change the diaper? And the two-year-old says no. Am I supposed to listen? Yeah. Look at it, the it, precedent you're starting by doing that. According to her. Now, she's you, nuts. You, you she's lucky listen. I didn't put her on the sick fuck of the week. Because, <laughs> yo, you got to give him a rash. He said no. Don't change it. Two days later. It's caked up on him. He he listened to him. Remember, you gotta listen. That's how these motherfuckers listen. <laughs> yeah, and then he got he got a bad he got a nice diaper rash, and then he'll learn. What well, can I fix it? Well, can Daddy put ointment on it? No. Okay, get, get out of my face. <laughs> listen, that's the <laughs> participation have, trophies, all kind yeah, of all of it, shit. All of it. Imagine the, with with the Brownsville Jets a participation trophy. Oh, man. imagine asking uh, the late great. Uh, uh, Jocko, Jocko Jackson, Greg Jackson for a participant. Well, I was on the team, Jock. Imagine that. Oh, man, you'd be cussed out. But I'm glad I came up when I came up. I'm glad I'm able to see this sucker shit, all that dumb shit, and just laugh at it and say, yo, that's going to turn turn these motherfuckers into something else. Wait 20 years. These motherfuckers going to grow up. Watch what happens. <laughs> Listen, me and G. Moody, Sunday, June 3rd, Live in San Francisco, me and G. Moody, the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, live, 5.15 p.m. on a Sunday in San Francisco. We are rocking for 60 yeah. minutes plus straight, live yeah. in San Francisco, clusterfest.com. That is clusterfest.com. June 3rd from San Francisco. The last time we were in San Francisco, we turned it out. We're going to do it again. It's a fantastic festival. We're bringing the fucking noise. We're bringing in the Calvary. Is it Calvary? Calvary. Yeah, I said it right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, 5.15 p.m. You can get tickets at clusterfest.com. C-L-U-S-T-E-R-F-E-S-T.com. You know what we do live. Um, all right. Uh, oh, I thought I heard it. Yes. Oh, yeah. You hear it in the background. That's the sick fuck of the week theme music. Lock him up. How could you do it? Don't let him out. Damn. You fucked the dog? You what? You fucked the dog? Why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What sick fuck? The sick fuck of the week. It's earned. Earned. Not given. You did what? No. 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 It's an award that is earned, not given. This is an award that is earned, not given. This Wednesday, along with some more surprises, we will be doing Sick Fuck or Beyond the Sick Fuck on the premium app. Do not live in FOMO, people. Do not live in FOMO, okay? Premium episodes of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast in primetime Wednesday. You have to have the premium app. I don't want to be redundant, but it's only $2.99 a month. 
This episode right here is free. I know, I know that it is well worth $2.99 to hear another episode Wednesdays in prime time where we'll be playing the second game of Sick, Fuck, or Beyond. But let's stay focused. Let's stay focused. Right now we are playing the traditional, the award-winning Sick, Fuck, of the week. It is an award that is earned, not given. It is an award that is earned, not given. I have been given several requests to give this man the award for sick fuck of the week in Florida. You know if it starts off in Florida, it's going to be good. A man was arrested for practicing karate in a park. We'll say, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? The way he was practicing karate was by kicking swans in the head in a park in downtown Orlando. Oh, a swan. Damn. Yo, they're so graceful. and, and That's a true blue sick fuck of the week. And there's nothing more, nothing less. That is a sick Fuck of the week. You listen, you want to go to the park and do your Tai Chi. You want to go to the park and do yoga. You want to do the park, go to the park and do your CrossFit, do your wind sprints. You want to go to the park and practice karate. You, you, you want to get crunk? You want to practice your kicks? Kick a tree, tough guy. <laughs> Since you're such a fucking badass, yeah. kick a tree. You go to the park and you kick swans and you obviously kills them, you piece of shit. Yeah. You have to think about that. I'm going to go here and kick these guys, kick them in the head. Apparently, he had been doing it a few times, and then he was caught. Uh, This guy, uh, his last name is Mantella, and if you look him up, look this sick fuck of the week up, take a guess what he looks like, G. Uh, A what? What does he look like? A sick fuck. Uh, Rocco Mantella actually looks like a bug-eyed sick fuck who shaves his eyebrows. He looks totally oh. off the fucking wall. Looks totally fucking nuts. Congratulations, Damn. asshole. I hope somebody Damn. practices karate on you while you're locked up in the pen. Oh. Next up. Can I give you, you one? Oh, go, go. Go, please. Oh. A female student from Cornell University took mm. offense to the professor suggesting that maybe they should dress up to give their senior thesis. So... She got really upset about that. How dare you say we dress up? So what she did is she stripped down to her underwear and delivered her, uh, her senior thesis in front of everybody as a blow to patriarchy. Right. So right. Everybody, you're, everybody's a fucking freedom fighter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Social justice. And how dare you tell me to get dressed up? That millennial bullshit. Right. So, you're getting mad that the guy said you should look your best. See what I'm saying? That's just a, these people should be dismissed. So, so she man. showed up in her bra and underwear. Yeah. F. You didn't do what I asked you. I'm the professor. See, that's the thing. You don't get to make the rules. If that's your protest, great. Now you got an F in the class, asshole. And I'm sorry uh, yeah. that your parents asked you should they change your diarrhea diaper. <laughs> exactly. An Indiana woman. I got. I got to be honest. I'm hedging this woman right now. Now, I didn't fact check. I know we had some crazy stuff all year. And, you know, the the coveted sick fuck of the year award. Uh, uh, we're only in May. But but I got my eye on this chick. All right. I mean, she looks the part. Uh, Kelly Cochran from Indiana, who admitted to injecting her husband with a lethal dose of heroin. 
which probably wouldn't get you on the on on the chart of just a sick fuck. She may have killed nine other people, definitely beyond a sick fuck. But what makes her stick out to me, this is way out there, and and this again, a lot of fans of the Iron Rapport Stereo podcast uh, who are sending me sick fucks. She is also suspected of serving her husband's remains, the remains of her dead husband. She is suspected now through an investigation of serving her husband's remains at a barbecue. Oh, damn. Damn. So so, so she killed him. She cooked him. A little kosher salt, a little Hungarian paprika and spice it up and throw it on a skillet. You got a, a finger, a thumb, fricasseed thumb, but that's the guy you love? Ah, this, this, see, what is love? What is not love? She killed him, she cooked him, and she served him up at a barbecue. Listen, people, I suspect that all the listeners out here have, have better friends than this fucking nutcase, Kelly M. Cochran from Indiana. But when, when, you, go to, when you go to a barbecue now, you got to keep your head on a swivel because you don't know what the fuck you're getting to eat. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I imagine that. Um, uh, now, oh. this I was going to leave this up to you, Mr. Moody. Bye. Right. Do you think this is a sick fuck? Or do you think this is a boss that is needed in these times of millennials because her, her employees were young? A real estate firm in China, and it's all caught on video. This isn't made up. A real estate firm in China. Um, you know, the, the, uh, real estate is incentive. You know, you sell, you make money. You sell, you make money. Uh, you get your percentage, the company makes money. A boss in China... In order to keep her employees in line, for the employees that were, were making money, uh, they line up. The employees that were not making money, they line up in front of the boss, who's a female, and she smacks the shit out of them, one by one. <laughs> not love taps. Smacks their fucking faces repetitively, as hard as she can. They videotape it, and then she makes them get on their knees and like do humiliating shit. This isn't a legitimate business. This legitimately happened. Do you think oh. this is a sick fuck, or do you think this is a necessary evil in order to run big business in the world that we live in? I'll give you yeah. the floor, Moody. Yeah, I, I think it's China. Well, it's in China, right? Yes. Yeah, different culture, so my judgment is different. I like it. It lights a fire up under the employees to say, listen, if you don't make these sales and you don't get this real estate shit going, B, you're going to get smacked, <laughs> and we're going to smack fire out your ass in front of everybody which will give you more initiative to make those sales and to close those deals, knowing a slap is looming if you don't. I like it. They should have implemented here. No problem with your, uh, with your take on this. Um, finally, we all know how I feel uh, uh, about, about feral cats, uh, wild animals. You know, I, I, I would never hurt one of these animals. I don't like rats. I don't like mice. As much as I could appreciate their beauty, I, I don't like, uh, you know, seeing deers walking by me. If I'm in a car and I'm riding out to Jersey and I see deers, I will stop and take in their beauty. I like to be in a car. You never know when you could get one of these crazed fucking deers that could attack you. You never know. I don't like coyotes. Historically, this is well documented. I don't like water bugs. I don't like any of it. Okay? Don't like any of it. This sick fuck, a police officer, a sheriff's deputy, 
walked up to a groundhog. You know what a groundhog is? It's a small little animal. Yeah. Now, even I wouldn't do something like this. Even I, if push came to shove, I would move it along, even if I have to use it with my foot or something. A groundhog was, was blocking traffic. The sick fucking sheriff, instead of moving it, using his baton, using like a stick to move it off the road, shot and killed a groundhog on camera in front of people to move traffic along. Oh, hey. So you, you got a problem with the cop? Yeah, he's a sick fuck of the week because you know oh. you know how small a groundhog is? I, I know, but hey, man, yo, it's either him or, or you're going to stop all the human beings from uh, getting home and, for this animal. Well, hey, we're we're on, not man. talking about rush hour on the 405. We're talking about, like, if you see the videotape of it, why I would make him the sick fuck of the week. First of all, oh, a groundhog is sm- like, it's half the size of a small cat. Instead oh, of walking he could have just shoot it, it away. Oh, he, he didn't shoot have to- it away? He he could, he didn't have to execute it, is what you're saying. In the middle, in broad daylight, in the middle of the road, there's no reason to shoot the fucking groundhog, you sick fuck. You're a sick yeah. fuck of the week. No questions asked. Listen. Yeah, it is. CIM Rapport Stereo Podcast. You are going to want to listen. Rebuilding the Beast with Festus Azili. We're talking basketball. We're talking Nigeria. We're talking coming to the United States after graduating high school at 14. All that and more. I'm telling you, this guy's story should be a movie. Festus Azili of the world champion Golden State Warriors. Festus Azili of the iconic 73-win Golden State Warriors. Coming up next on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. All I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts are available at districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. We have a gorgeous brand new design that you fuck you. Buttersoft I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast t-shirt, and it's spelled U-F-U-K-U. There's no C. So when you first see it, you almost think it's like a university t-shirt. It's gorgeous. Uh The brand new Buttersoft U-Fuck-You t-shirt, plus the entire collection. Of course, the Wasteland t-shirt, the Gringo Man Dingo t-shirt, the Sucker Shit t-shirt, and now the the U-Fuck-You t-shirt, plus the I Am Pacino t-shirt, all... All available and on sale at districtlines.com forward slash I am Rappaport. All right, here we go. I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Festus Azili, world champion. Got the rings and things. You're Great. one for one in the NBA Finals. But one I don't want to get into that. I want to I, I get into that in a second. Yeah. Cadaver surgery. You are jumping right into it. Could cadaver surgery on your on your on your knee? Yeah. Couple of questions about the cadaver. Number one, uh, uh, do you know any background on the on where they got the cadaver for? Number two, uh, did the people like of the family of of this person uh, that they were used like they might be like, yo, this guy's an NBA player. They might come for some money. How does this work? What was the surgery and and uh, how are you? All right, so I'm gonna give you background first because. Um, <laughs> This is the first time I've actually talked about this since I had the surgery. I had it. The I had a I had a uh, a media thing about it a year ago, and I haven't had. I've been underground for the last year, and I said I didn't want to do anything media until I was ready to go. Okay. And uh, you asked me how I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. I'm running, feeling really good. Uh, before 
I, I had to have it. You know what it is? It was a it was a cartilage transplant. Okay. And um, they put it into my knee, and they got it from somebody else. It was a, this really crazy surgery. Is what, is, what is it called? They call it oats. It's uh, osteochondral allograft uh, transplant surgery. Okay. You know, so it's um, they have to get it from somebody else, and it's a relatively new procedure that just happened recently, and um, it just came up recently. Um, I had it in Colorado. And how the surgery goes is this is why it's crazy is that obviously like everything else, right? If you tear your ACL, they get it from somebody else. They put it in your knee and that's good. That's what but the injury this, was, tear the no, ACL? No, 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 no. This is a cartilage. So okay. this is different is that it has to be fresh. So this is the different stipulations to get this surgery. First of all, the person has to be the same size as me. Right, that's so crazy. That's a, no, that's one crazy aspect of it because the person it, has to the be exact my size. Same size or like in the they have to be like in the weight range because they have to be. It has to be able to handle my weight. Okay, but they don't have to be the same height. No, not necessarily the same height. Just okay. like that same weight. Okay, and then you have to have the surgery a week max, a week after the person passes away and the and the organ is have it harvested. Okay, so. I'm literally, and you never know, right? So I literally, so I, I go through the whole procedure of preparing for it, right? And how it goes is, you know, you 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 get on the list and you literally have to just sit there by your phone waiting for the doctor to call you and say, hey, it's come in. So it could take anywhere from tomorrow to a year from now. That's crazy, especially for a big dude. Especially for an NBA player that needs to get back to playing and doing his job. Right, but like it's not like you're like six yeah, foot. And, like and, it's like yeah. we're seven foot dude. Absolutely, yeah. So so when did you get the call? Like what was the process like? And like how does the whole thing work for you? Well, for me, I, I was waiting and uh, it took me three months. Uh, I'm literally staying there by the phone and I, I know they must have thought in I Colorado? was- In Colorado? I was- I was waiting. I was in Portland at the time. Okay. And um, I was waiting by my phone for three months. And, um, you know, what it was was I just, I really, you know, I got to a point where it just, I couldn't, I just couldn't push it anymore, you know. And uh, it, I really needed to do something to to get back to playing and playing at the level that I was playing at. Right. So um, that was the, that was the procedure that the doctor recommended. And it was very, very experimental. So for me, I was like, yo, like, I'm really just giving it everything I got at that point. And yeah, I was waiting by the phone and um, eventually they called me after three months. But before that three months, every couple of weeks, every every couple of weeks, every few days, I would call them like, hey, what's going on? Just making sure you, you know my number still works. Right. Like, y'all just call. And I was just waiting and waiting. And at some point I was just like, yo, this is crazy. Like I, I need to get this done so I can get back. You know, the sooner I get it done, the sooner I get back. But they couldn't do anything about it. And yeah, I got it done last year, last March. And so how are you feeling like today? Because I see you, you know, you, you're, I love when athletes, because I think it's inspiring because, you know, if you're a fan, you know, it, it's like we, we, we think that you guys are just out on the court uh, and, and, you know, doing your thing. Yeah. But, you know, I've had the privilege of, you know, being in practices and you see the work. I've had a privilege of being at Golden State practice. You mm -hmm. see the, the work that the Clays and the Stephs. And, and that all you guys, um, you know, put into, you know, that we don't see, you know, when we tune into, you know, TNT, the ESPN, and you've been sharing your videos. So how do you feel now and where's your body at now? No, I feel good, man. And, and that's the thing is, you know, when you have surgery, it takes you a while to get back to where you feel good about, you know, good, good about yourself. 
but I was already at a place where, you know, I needed to get something done. So when I got it done, I had no, I, I didn't know what to expect. I just know that given that it's me and my mindset and the way I put so much effort and work into what I do, I knew that it was going to work out. I just right. didn't know when, I didn't know how, I, you know. And so um, going through the process, you know, I'm, I'm in bed, I'm bedridden for two months after, after the surgery. The surgery. Yeah, and uh, that was probably, you know, 2017 was probably one of the toughest years of my life. And that's saying a lot because, you know, coming, you know, me as a kid coming from Nigeria <laughs> and moving out here and learning to play the game in a different country. You know, I mean, this my story has been so crazy already. Right. That when I added last year into it, it was just like, God, like, I do everything the right way. I try to, you know, I work hard. I'm a great, I mean, I try to be a great guy, you know, and I'm in this position now. You know, that was one of the toughest, toughest years of my life. So, so what is that like being bedridden? You're an athlete. You're a young guy. No, it's 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 tough. It's it messes Are you with at your home? mind. Um, yeah, yeah. I am the first. Um, the first two weeks, I was by the hospital, so which is in Vail, Colorado, and then, um, yeah, no. So I, actually, for a lot of the year, I was in Vail, Colorado, which right. is where I had my surgery. And um, I'm sitting there and, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. It's almost like a resort style area, but I couldn't enjoy any of it because I'm in bed. And right. it, it was so- it, Literally, it was, like you couldn't walk? I could not walk. Could no. they wheelchair you? Like, could you go yeah, out so and get would, sun so or like would, just to move around, like nah, go get a coffee? Was, you know what it is? It was snowing at the time too. Oh, Jesus. So I was really stuck, stuck. I didn't want to risk anything going out there on crutches or on my wheelchair and falling. So only thing I could do, or only thing I wanted to do was to go- to rehab. I would go to rehab and come home. And the rehab is literally learning how to bend my leg, you know. Right. And so um yeah, it was it was a really really it was a really interesting process, man. You learn a lot about <laughs> yourself. That's a lot of that's a long time to sit there with your thoughts. Right. And just sit there and talk. You know, I had I'm so grateful that I have family. Right. Because, you know, it was it was a really it was a tough time for me to, you know, really face myself because your identity is a basketball player. Like this is what I know. I'm always active, I always do stuff, I work hard, I'm always in the gym. So now I, I'm just sitting here and I can't be active. I can't move. I can't walk. Did you ever think like fuck it? Like I don't need this. Like I you know, I played, I'm educated, I graduated high school and I'm fourteen, which I wanna get to. Like I don't or or Real that shit. was that Real was, shit. Dude, a lot of times I sat there like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I'm tired of this shit. Like, I can't take this shit anymore. But the thing about that, though, is um, this is where Rebuilding the Beast came from. The mindset and what it is, is like this movement I started. The mindset is um, I'm sitting there and I'm laying there and I'm crying, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not even somebody who's an emotional person like uh -huh. that. But in this moment, I'm like, yo, like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? And as I start crying, my mom, who's with me, my parents were with me, but my mom starts crying. Uh -huh. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe what's going on. You know, that was a, there was a switch that turned on in my head at that moment. It's like, I have to be stronger than this. I have to be stronger than the moment. And that's fucking life, man. Like, mm -hmm. in life, like, things happen. Mm -hmm. Things are going to happen. And, and there's been so many moments in my life where I've been knocked down. Even my, my trip coming to America, moving here by myself and learning a new, you know, learning a new culture, being in a new environment, being with somebody I, I'd barely ever known, you know, living with my uncle. I'd never met him, you know? And so we, you know, it was all these different things that have happened in my life already that make me feel like, 
something great is coming after this. Right. I just got to be strong. I got you. And especially being strong for the people who love me and who dare to support me. I just, I can't quit. I got you. So you're feeling good. I feel good, man. I feel good. I'm Right now, I'm getting ready to come back next season. Good. And, uh, How old been, are you uh, now? I'm 28. Okay. 28. It's been uh, it's been a hell of a journey, man. You know what's what's funny, man, is um, you know a few people send me the article of um, so I, now I took I missed two seasons, and a few people send me the article of uh, Emeka Okafor. Uh huh. Emeka Okafor is the way to say it if I really want to use my Nigerian accent, but you know that comes out every once in a while. But uh, <laughs> uh, Emeka Okafor. He plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. He took a few years off because he had a herniated disc in his right. back. And that's actually a friend of mine. He actually recruited me a long time ago to oh. go to UConn. Seeing him go through his journey, I was actually with him last summer. We did a camp together in New York. Uh-huh. And uh, seeing him going through his process and not giving up is so inspiring for right. everybody. Right. You know, so what I want to do and what I want to be able to do is, you know, part of life is everybody goes through these tough times. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to be able to inspire with my story. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna get through my shit. I'm, I'll be back next season. I'll be doing what I do. But mm-hmm. I don't want it to go for not. Like I don't want it to just be a wasted story. I want to be able to tell this story and have other people tell their stories as well. I know you coming from New York and you know fighting your way up in the racks. Like, yeah, dude, yeah, I watched yeah. you. I watched you in Hitch. I watched <laughs> you on Friends. All these different things. You know, Friends is actually the reason why my accent has changed because I used to watch Friends all every night before I went to sleep in Nigeria Kids, or no, here. When I got here. That's Every, my funny. accent was so thick when I, mean, I came you are, to America. You sounded like Ross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, no, my, my accent was so thick when I came to America that my way of learning how to speak like this, because I wanted people to understand me. I the got whole point you. about it is the communication. And I, I would sit by the TV every night and just watch TV and repeat whatever they say. So some of my comedy, actually, some of the, the stuff, my humor is actually that dry comedy from That's Friends. That's fucking you know? funny. That's, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but that makes sense because also, like, the way they spoke, it was very sort of clean American dialect. And it was, you know, it was sanitized and it's humorous. And it's, uh, that that's funny, man. So, yeah, man. And uh, I actually kind of miss my accent now. Because every once in a while, I break out the Nigerian accent. And girls are like, ooh, wait, hold up now. But, but when you speak uh, with a Nigerian accent, it's just when you're around family or when you're around people. So, from- it's, it's actually automatic for me. When I'm around family, when I'm around Nigerians. Matter of fact, I was with a few Nigerians uh, a couple nights ago. Um, Yvonne Orji, who's, you know, one of the actresses out here in, yeah. in L.A., she um she had a game night and I didn't know what to expect. I went out there and there was a bunch of Nigerians. That's all of a sudden, funny. we all just you know it's we're like all cousins and right right right. Why when we meet each other, we're all right. like family. So right. uh, it, it was it was a good time. And then accent comes out. My first name actually is Ifani. Okay. And after when I when I came to America, I would introduce myself. Try to say it. Ifania. Exactly. That was pretty good. So that was actually that was actually the best I've heard so far. That was pretty good because. Though. But if I could do it ten times, I probably won't get it. right. No, but you did way better than people. People started calling me Ifany after a while. Uh huh. I can't really be a center, a tough guy <laughs> mm-hmm. with a name Ifany. Mm-hmm. You would probably be fucking with me mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That was you know for me. I felt like Festus was a great. For, but how you get it, from Ifany? That's my middle name. Okay, the Festus is my middle okay. name. It's also my dad's name. So okay. I felt like I, I felt some kind of uh it made me feel good to bear my father's name. I got and, you. and go by that. And it gave me a lot of responsibility. Um And just, you could variations of Festus Fest, you know, like Fest, it's yeah. Yeah. Know. Um in Nigeria, Ifani, people call me Anyi. 
So it's, is it's, that a common name in, in Nigeria? Is it like um, it Mark? Is, yeah. So what it is, it, what it means. So every time you get a name in Nigeria, you don't just get a name because it, you get a name because it's cool. Right. You get a name based on, it's, it actually means something, right? Okay. So for me, it took my mom a few years to have me. And when she had me, uh, my grandfather actually named me. My name is Ifani. It means, Ifani Chuku, actually. It means with God, nothing is impossible. Okay. And that's been the story for my life, all my, you know, all my journey so far. Being able to overcome adversity is kind of, it's kind of my life story. You're ready. You're, you're used to it. Yeah. So for me, like going through this, it's, it's really just a part of the story. With your rehab and your, your recovery, is making baskets, shooting baskets, the least of it? Is it like all like about like planting, jumping, knee, you know, being in shape? Like, like is, is touch like in basketball skills, even like a, a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it a part of my rehab? Of, dude, the day I, I think, so the day after I have surgery, I'm in bed, right? And the first thing I have them do is, is buy me a basketball that I can just hold on to. Right. Because right? I couldn't do anything. As soon as I was able to crutch, which is in about two weeks, I was out there. Matter of fact, there's videos on my Instagram. If you guys want to go check it out, FSE fell. You know, there was videos of me shooting on the box. This is a year ago. Uh -huh. You can go back a year and see me. I'm on the box and I'm shooting. I'm telling people, yo, listen, like, I don't care what it is I'm going through. This is where my mind is at. Right. You know, I got to figure out ways to get better. When I first had surgery, it was hard for me to watch basketball. Right. I'm not going to lie. It was, it, was, it was something that was very hard for me because it almost seemed like not, like like nobody cared. Oh. Right? The lights, this just goes on. The whole world goes on without you. mean in you. terms of like you're just sort of out of it? Yeah, you're out of the, the circle. You're out of the fraternity. It's like you know, everybody everybody's just doing what they got to do right now to win. And it, it was hard for me to, to watch. But, you know, after a while, your my mind switches again, which is like, yo, I got to get back. Mm. Like my my I got to get back to work. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, now let me watch let me watch and see. There's so many bigs that are doing their thing in the NBA. You know, I watched Joel Embiid last night with the game. Uh granted they didn't win and you know they but his whole story about his comeback and his, you know, being able to do what he's doing right now is amazing. He right. missed 3 years? Yeah, 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 it's crazy. Came back and you know, it's amazing what he's doing. Um but I have this theory right now. I have a theory of great players, minus one person so far, but great players. LeBron, right? Yes. They always have this defining moment that has something to do with injury. Mm -hmm. They always have some injury that keeps them out. And I, I feel like during that moment, you really get to ask yourself that question. Like, do I really want to fucking do this shit? Right. And the answer is, because they always come back and they're great and they're better, is... I love this game. Mm -hmm. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't take it for granted. I'm going to do everything to be as best as I possibly can be because I can't take it for granted. I can't walk at this time or I right. can't do this. So I appreciate every aspect of this. That's, I think that's what, what it is for me right now where I'm at. I, I, that, the, I think that's dope. And it's crazy. I mean, well, I want to get into LeBron because obviously you played against him in, in two iconic series. And, and I mean, and watching him, you know, you would thought like when you guys beat him, he was like at an apex. And then like now it's like, I don't know what the apex, I, I don't know, like it keeps going, going, going. But I want to say, it's unreal. The dude is, I mean, he's unreal. I, I want to I want to come back to LeBron. I want to stay, stay on you. You graduated high school 
when you were 14 years old? I graduated high school at 14, yes. Now, in, in Nigeria, is, is it just a different timetable, or are you, were you smart? Like, is that To common? be honest, what it is is, um, so 14 is early. It's very early. I was in a class with, you know, 16, 17, 18, okay, 19 Okay, so year you're olds. smart, even in Nigeria. Well, I had, I had a mom. I, I'm never going to self-promote myself, right? I, I have a mother who, who was an educator, and she really pushed me. I didn't go to her. She owns a school. I didn't go to her school. But being that that was my mom, you know, she held me to a certain standard. You know, she always told me like, yo, this is your meal ticket. You have to be able to be, to be able to read and be smart. And she told me that from a really young age. Yeah, but we she all tell our kids me. that, but then we don't. But she pushed, she pushed me is okay. what it is. You know, and if you know my mother, she, you know, she, she always gives, she empowers the people around her, but it started with us as kids. Okay. And what does it take to graduate high school in 14? And then tell me how after graduating high school in 14, you, you got to America. So um, I started school really early. Okay. I think um, I started the first grade. I can't remember what age at this point. But like first grade is normally like six, right? Yeah, no, I started way before that. Um, I think that what also helped was I skipped the fifth and sixth grades. They said I was way, way you, advanced. You, you double skipped or you skipped I fifth? I double skipped, yeah. You went from fourth? To seventh. Shit. Yeah, that was that was that was something that you know um, they came to my mom and said because my mom would always teach me. I would come home and I would be doing schoolwork at home. I got you. you know, I would be you know as, as a little kid, I would be reading to my mom, reading the Bible actually. Right. But I would be doing all these things that other people, older people, were doing. My math classes, I was doing way more advanced things at home right. than I was in school. And so they came to my mom one day and said I was bored. Like I looked like I was bored in class because I, everything, my grades were excellent. I got all the awards. I got all, but it just like this kid is bored because he's just, you know, it takes him. He's the first one out of every exam right. and things like that. So um, they thought it was a good idea for me to go. They felt they tested me and saw that I was at, and that in, in Nigeria, we have first through sixth grades as primary school. Got you. And then we have high school starts in seventh grade. Okay, that's what junior they consider. High, seven, seven, eight, nine is junior high. Senior high is nine, ten, gotcha. uh, 10 11, 12. But that's a big skip. Like going you were, to high school, just go. You go from fourth grade to high school. Just socially, I mean, you, you must. That have been was tall. the hardest part. But you're still like a, like a kid. I'm a kid, and I'm I'm with people are like talking about talking about sex. They're right. talking about girls, right? And I'm looking around like I don't I don't know anything about any of that, right. you know. And a shy little kid, I was kind of a chubby, so you right. know, I wasn't you know socially awkward in that regards. But um, I just I was good at school. And then, so when you graduate high school in four, at 14 years old, how do you wind up in America? I came to America by mistake, actually. Uh, well, like I didn't come here flight? by mistake. Like got on the wrong bus. No, so we actually we came here as a family um, to celebrate my graduation. We all came here on a in trip, 2004, on a trip. So when I came here, it was so it wasn't by mistake that we landed here, but it was by mistake that I stayed, right? Because they ended up when I came here, my uncle, who I I told you we we came to visit family who were here. And, and what part did you go to? We were in Sacra the Sacramento area. Okay. So yeah, so we came to we came out here. Actually landed in San Francisco, so I don't know if this is foreshadowing or not. But we landed in San Francisco. Obviously, you guys know I played with the Golden State Warriors. Um, I, you know, we we stayed with the family over there. <laughs> Uncle saw me everywhere we went during this trip. Everybody asked me if I played basketball. And had you played ball? I, I had never played basketball before in my life. I told you I was a chubby kid. 
I didn't know nothing about no sports. My dad actually used to get so mad because we had athletics back in Nigeria. We would have these events, you know, and he would come, he would come just hoping that I would be doing something. I would be on the sidelines, you know, and it was something they always kind of, cause my dad was a super athlete. Like okay. he did everything. He was, Is he tall? He's about six, four, six, five. Okay. And he, he just wanted those jeans used. And so it was, it was hard for him, you know, being a part of, but you know, for him, it was just more about like, I want to see my, my kid do something. You know, I had man boobs, you know, a little kid. And how tall are you? At that point, I was I was fourteen years old and I was six five. Okay. So I was I was a really tall kid. Like right. You see pictures from me. And you're not like a tall, class. skinny kid. No, not at all. And so when I came to America, my uncle saw me and he thought, "Let's." Tr-. You know how he convinced me? Actually, uh, it's time to go to college, right? So I said I wanted to, at this point I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. And I said um, I don't want to play basketball. I just want to be a doctor. So he said, "Listen." You know what basketball can do for you? It can give you a scholarship. You don't have to pay a dime and you go to college for free. So that's why I started playing basketball. It's because he said I can go to college, I can get a scholarship, and this what I, that's that's my story. That's how it started. That's crazy. And then so It only the, gets worse. It only gets crazier. So give it to me. So I you You're know, 14, you never played never played. You know people over here, they start playing basketball. Yo. I mean, and sports in general. So there's a certain amount of did you play soccer, anything? We played soccer, but soccer was more of like a social thing. Me and uh, my friends would be out, we'd be waiting for you know our rice to come pick us up after school. So we would just be outside playing. All you need is And you is just a weren't ball. into it. It's not sports wasn't my thing. I just I, got you. I just like to be with my friends. I, I played video you. games, but nah, I didn't nah, it wasn't sports wasn't my thing. Until I came here and I started playing basketball. Um, but, you know, the way it all started and the way it kind of, like, it's a, it's a whole long story. I, we don't have all the time on this right. podcast. But my first basket was against my own team. What do you mean? You, you, so, matter of fact, let me, let me I can, I, this part of the story is actually important. So, I tried, so what, I, what he convinced me to do, I was 14 years old. So, he made me go back to high school and redo my senior year. The thought process was, if I go back to high school, I can learn, start learning with my people my age. I got Instead you. of going to college, it's not even possible to, how can you get a scholarship and just go to college? Right. So, the plan was, I would go to Jesuit High School, which is a Catholic school in Sacramento, and I would play basketball there. I played there for a couple of years. They would teach me how to play. And somehow, because this school was good at basketball. Okay. So he was like, this is where you need to go. This is the plan. It's all foolproof. We got this down, right? I get to the school. I, I'm going to school there. I'm taking these classes. And then I get cut from the team. At 6'8"? I wasn't good. Like, you don't understand. Like, the, the scouting report for me or the way they talked about me is he cannot chew gum and walk at the same time. Right. And so it was very, very awkward. I wasn't coordinated at all. Hand-eye coordination was literally zero. If you want to go on 2K, it was zero. And people don't understand what it, what it is to go from that to the NBA five years later. That's fucking nuts. It's, it, it, they don't understand. But it's, it's, not a, it's not just a great story in terms of, wow, this is amazing. It's like... There's a lot of sweat equity. There's a lot of tears and blood and everything that you leave on that court, on the track, and like all these things that I had to do to get there. And who actually helped me out was a, you know, there was a random just stranger. He walks up to me one day after school. And he's his son was gonna be on the team, and this guy walks up to me and he says, um, he's talking with the coach of the team, the high school team at the time. So he goes up to the coach. 
uh, wow, like, because he sees me, a big black kid. Obviously, I can play basketball because I'm big and black. <laughs> so he sees, the, he sees me. He's like, wow, you guys are going to be really good this year. He, the coach is like, yeah, but, you know, he said, why you say that? It's a big kid y'all got. He said, yeah, not because of him. He's, he kidding. He's, not, he's not any good. He's like, what are you talking about? Asking the coach. Coach is like, he can't play. He, he just came from, he can't play. He just came from Nigeria. What's wrong with him? Can he run? The guy's like, yeah. Can he jump? He's like, yeah. So what's the problem? He's no good. Can I have him? Which is a weird thing to say because he tells me this story all the time. And uh, he actually somebody who has become a really good friend. So he comes up to me at the time and he um, tells me, and I don't know what AAU is at the time. Uh-huh. So he comes up to me and says, AAU, I wanted you to play on my team. Do you, what do you, are you interested in playing basketball? I said, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, we'll see. So he says, AAU. You travel with me. We all sleep in the same hotel. See how this sounds to a 14-year-old right. kid? I'm like, yo, my mom warned me about motherfuckers Right, right, like right, you. right. That sounds crazy. And when I went home, and I, at the time, my parents are still in Nigeria. So I called them and said, hey, you know, I met this guy. You know, he says that he can really help me in terms of basketball. If I play you with him and we get to travel and we stay in the same hotel room, my mom hung up the phone. That's <laughs> what are you talking about? And, you know, we got to, you know, explore a little further. But, you know, playing on his AAU team, it took me to a whole, you know, like this is a whole new world for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, you know, teammates. I had all these like things I had never had before. This this is new, especially being in America. Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm new here. I don't really have any friends. I don't Mm -hmm. know anybody. I'm commuting an hour and a half every day each way to go to school. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the, everything about this journey has been crazy, mm-hmm. and so now I'm with this team and I'm hanging out with the summer f- with these kids my age. I and got so you. We're traveling and doing this stuff. Like I said, my first basket during this time was against my own team. You put it in the wrong basket. I didn't know you switch halves at the. Uh, you didn't know you switch sides of the half. So I got a defensive rebound and put it right back in, and everybody's looking like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like you didn't know what's going on. Yeah, because I got the rebound. I'm picking. Did the you dunk it at y'all. least? No, nah, I couldn't dunk at the time. Man. Yo, so I got the rebound and my teammates are running out for the outlet. I take it and I put it right back in. And they were looking at me like, yo, like. And what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? This is a tight game. Like, we're trying to win this game. Right. But um, I didn't really care. I was happy. I'm I'm going to go lie to you. I was happy. That was my first basket. I don't care what y'all talking about. This is my first. This is is it for me, you know? Which made it insult to injury. You're running up the court. They're like, Oh, man. They're cussing me out. I'm smiling. I don't know what the heck is going on, but I'm smiling. At at that age, when you're you're still learning, what was the first thing about basketball, the game of basketball, the the, the skill that clicked with you, that you remember going... I'm, I could do this. Was it dribbling? Was it a jump hook? Was it a drop step? Like what was I the first? I learned how to duck. I learned how to dunk. Um, I we were in the gym working for a long time. This is for hours, and we were trying to teach me how to dunk. And at that time, I can only dunk with one hand. And this is like after a gather step, I had to run up and like lift, you know. And I worked on it for so long, and when I could finally do it. I kept doing it over and over. And that's like just the first step. Just like I had a taste of success. <laughs> I got you. For me. And I think that that kind of drew me in a little bit. I got you. The first dunk in a game. Oh, my God. I still remember it, too. It was a two-handed dunk. This is after I've been working, working, working. One of the times I got an offensive rebound. And I'm under the basket. And I just hear somebody yell, dunk it, dunk it. I don't even know what came over me. And I just rose up. I'm right underneath the basket. I literally have to reach behind my 
my head to dunk this ball. But I'm dunking in a crowd of people. That was the first time I realized one thing, how strong I was and how athletic I was. Okay. And so it kind of started this chain of, man, maybe I can do something with this. You know, it, it kind of lit that little that little flame in my head of like, okay, let me try. Granted, I was still very raw. Right. I was very, very raw. And um, I played two summers like this. <laughs> this story gets it gets crazier. So I played the first summer. After this, I I'm I'm done with the high school because I don't want to go there anymore. I don't. I've already I already have my diploma from high school. I only went back so I can play basketball. Right. Couldn't play anymore. So and I how go. old are you now? I am at this time. I'm 15. Turn 16 in the fall. When I turn 16, I go to a junior college. At 16. Yeah. Because that's I, crazy. Because remember, I was I was still trying to be a doctor. But I couldn't play basketball is what they told me. So my whole thing was, you know, I can go back to school. I can go, you know, work at, get a scholarship, academic scholarship. So That's I crazy though. Off. Like you're 16, you're 6'8". Yeah. You're from Nigeria. Like there's so many wild different things, you know, you're dealing with. You stand out because you're tall, mm-hmm. but you're not really a great basketball player. Not even and then the you're, slightest. And even if, even if you're just a regular size 16-year-old, and that's always weird, like some Doogie Howser shit. Like, where you're, <laughs> you know, you're around adults, 18, 19, 20-year-old people in the no, junior college. No, you're around old people. Like, there's, like, there's 40-year-old, All right, junior college, everybody's yeah, in everybody's that Everybody's there. Shit. And it was weird because I'll be in chemistry class and I'll have older people. Like, I was actually a tutor. I, that's how I got. I, I got, got a little you. bit of money. Is I was a tutor in the school, so I was I was tutoring math and biology. I almost did chemistry, but it was too much load with my with my. So I was tutoring while I was going to school, and I'm walking around school one day. I guess the the coach, the basketball coach at the team there, Yuba College, had heard about me. So he, you know, somehow tracks me down. Sees me like, yo, what's going? Like, where'd you come from? Who are you? And I tell him a little bit of my story. I got to go to class, bro. So he convinced me to come to the gym and talk to him. So I come back to the gym and we talk a little bit. He somehow, this dude was, I mean, his name is Doug Cornelius. He's still a really good friend of mine until today. And he's, he's the coach there still. And um, he, he convinced me to try taking basketball classes. Basketball class is a thing at Yuba College. Yuba Community College is where I went to school. And basketball was a thing and so i take like I, yoga like it's like a workout they have yoga as well but, but i'm saying yeah, like basketball like a, class you get one credit for it it's like a workout yeah. yeah you actually learn how to play you actually play pickup i it got was, you you know and so this this was my first kind of you know interaction with him and his team and as i started to do it and learn more and he actually took a lot of you know he was teaching me and i i started liking the team and liking him especially because he was my guy like he was like taking me through all this he wanted me to play on his team eventually all right so um what he what he his plan was you know you gray shirt with us for a couple of years i can get you a college scholarship just play with me all right play with my school play with my team play with us and we'll get you a college scholarship so he convinced me to gray shirt if i don't know if you guys understand that but Gray shirting is, you know, going under 12 units. Yeah, I never heard of gray shirting. There's red shirting, there's gray shirting. Red shirting is you are a full-time student, you're just right. not playing. Right. Gray shirting is... You're I never a, heard that shit. You're a part-time student. The clock doesn't start for you. When you're red shirting, you have, you. you have four years. To I got play, you. You have five years to play four. I got you. In college. But if you gray shirt, 
then that clock doesn't start. You just go part time, which is under twelve units. It's a whole, it's a whole scheme, which he he explained to me. And so that was a tough decision for me because I, I wanted to go be a doctor and I felt like so you're the sooner, slowing down your education. I'm slowing at this down point. the edu- so that's why I had to go. You're home sort and of tell hedging, like y'all. I'm gonna yeah, see. If, let I'll- me try and see if this works out. And so I, when I when I talked to my parents about this, talked to my uncle. My uncle is a doctor himself at this point. I don't know. And if he's I said in, that. in in here, United States. He's here. That's who I was living with. I got you. So when I told him about this whole thing, he was like, he had already given up the dream. So he was like, Yo, why are you wasting my time? Or why are you wasting? You know, we don't want to pay for school if you're gonna be going part time. There's no go get a job then. So that was a whole deal, and that was a whole deal. But you know, he eventually came around. You know, um, what what how it actually happened is I was a part of the team, but I was the videographer uh-huh. for the team. Like I told you this story, I keep saying the story is crazy, and people don't believe it. I don't even believe sometimes when I talk when I talk about it. The way for me to travel with this basketball team at Yuba College was to be the videographer. And so we would travel to games and I would be this big black dude come off the bus and people were like, holy shit, we were in for it tonight. And now bring out my camera guys back. Cameras, <laughs> and just guys like, got lenses what is and going shit. on? Yeah. And, um, That's funny. That was, my, that was my journey, man. That was my story. And um, the next summer I was at home. I didn't really have much going on. Mind you, I'm 16 this whole time. Right. So I'm still like, I'm still young. I go back and play... With that same guy from the summer before. The AAU play team. AAU again. This time I'm better, right? Because I've been taking those basketball classes. Right. That's crazy basketball classes. <laughs> so when I, when I come back, first of all, my body's different now. I'm a little skinnier because I've been running these sprints. I've been doing all these things with guys. I've been playing pickup. I'm still very raw. But now I'm athletic. Okay. I know how to block shots. That's something that I don't know when that came about, but I, it just it seems like it's always been innate in me, knowing how to block shots. Okay. And so when I come back that summer, my team and I we go to the Sweet Sixteen of you know the the big time tournaments in Vegas. I don't know if you know about yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still have that. Yeah, AAU. It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah. But now it's like everybody. It, it's crazy. AAU is crazy. It's a whole scheme now, but. Uh, at the time, like we had the big time was the that was the that was the tournament to go to. Everybody from all over the country came there. It was like three hundred teams, and we went to the Sweet Sixteen. My team and I, we had some some a lot of cats from Sacramento. My AAU team was called the NorCal Pharaohs. Okay, so obviously with a name like that, nobody takes us seriously. Right, <laughs> the NorCal Pharaohs. But we came in, and we actually um, we had we we had a, a mashup with our team and play hard, play smart which had some other guys from Sacramento who were some killers. So our, our teams together, I mean, me and the other big kid on my team, his name was, he was Terrence Jennings. He went to Louisville. Okay. All you had to do was throw the ball up and somebody's dunking it. Right. Me, him, the guard, right. everybody's dunking. And so my team was actually really good. And um, so going through that whole process and people coming to see them, the other te- guys on my team who were prospects, people saw me like, yo, who is that kid? Mm. And I get invited to um, the top 150 camp in Philly or New Jersey. I can't remember one of those. And uh, I looked at the letter. I was like, I don't, me? Want top 150 kids? In the, that's crazy, right? And um, when I go to the camp, I almost felt like I was Bigfoot. Like people were like taking pictures of me, like, yo, who is this kid? Where you come? I mean, people they had me been following you. They, they didn't know where I came. I literally just came on the scene. Cause remember, I was at a junior college. Right. I didn't play basketball. So who uh, were the players that like who were the other players there? Like who were the best so players at that camp? T- oh, like 
Aaron Gordon's brother, Drew Gordon, was like one of the top dudes of that camp. We had um, Isaiah Thomas was on my team. So we had like all-star team, which I made at the end. Little Isaiah. Because he looks like he's he 15 was, now. He was just a killer. Like, he could just score, man. He could. He, he was doing this since. He probably came out the womb scoring. You know, Isaiah was doing the same thing. Brandon Jennings. Uh, uh, Renardo Sidney. I don't know if you know who that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, um, Man, there's so many kids. I, I don't remember everybody at this point, but it was all the top kids. And we're all going at it. And I'm just happy to be here because I, you know, I don't, but I always had a, a little competitive edge. I always like block. Quincy AC is actually, that was my first. So during the All-Star game, I was dunked on for the first time in my career. I tried to help off of the weak side. I saw Quincy get, I was like, I've always been the most athletic guy. Right. And so I tried to jump with Quincy AC at the time and he dunked on me so crazy with two hands. I, it was, it was probably the craziest. So after I went through that feeling, I was like, yo, I i don't want to experience this thing again. This sucks. It's embarrassing. I got and you. It's my first time being dunked on. So, my, But you my, must have learned so much because now you're playing with, with dudes that are more athletic, just as big yeah. as you, competitive. They grew up like this is their life, their blood, like this is their whole thing. So did it did it awaken something in you? Like, yo, I really, like, I want to do this shit? That's, that's exactly what it was. You know, coming through that camp, Knowing where I came from, they don't know who I am, but knowing where I came from again to this point, all it did was fuel that fire of wanting to do more. Like, mm. look at all these dudes, look at what they're doing. I want to do more, you know? So, um, but when I came from that camp, I got a bunch of scholarships. That was my first time. I got, um, I had, I think the year before I had played AU, people saw me. I had two scholarships, one to UNLV and one to Oregon State. Uh-huh. I left that camp with about 40 some scholarships from all over the place it was i could have gone anywhere in the country to be honest and it, and they knew me, you were a good student that was, that was so you're getting plus. recruited by harvard princeton all the whole so, deal? yeah so harvard is actually one of the college visits i took and for a nigerian you know that for a nigerian family my mom still has that letter printed till today my did she want you to go letter. to harvard it was it was that was the conversation that we had to have as a family you would have thought somebody died like i literally had to sit down with my family and say hey listen I can't go to Harvard. I don't think that that fits my vision or what I want to do. I love the school. It's such an amazing honor that you know I was able to get accepted, but it's not something that I want to do. That's, I want to actually. So you try got to accepted. Basketball. You got a scholarship offer. I did. Your grades are good. Like the whole like this. It's, is, it's it's incredible. But you knew as a basketball player, like I, that I, wouldn't answer it. I've always been very in tune with my energy. Like I always known like if I walk into a room, I can always feel like I I don't feel good here. Right, I, I, I think I, that was. How do you feel in here right now doing the podcast? I feel, man, the t- the tall <laughs> doors here, <laughs> tall doors here at the house. This is this is nice, man. This all is right, good living. All right, all right, cool. <laughs> all right, cool. So, so you chose Vanderbilt. I chose Vanderbilt, which is a good school, right? It's a, re- I mean, it's, it's a, it's a top at the well, it still is. It's a top twenty school, okay, in the country. And they have um, a basketball program. And at the time, it was an up and coming basketball program. Right. The year before I got there, they just went to the Sweet Sixteen. Right. And so meeting with the coach, meeting with the players, I think I went to, to a lot of schools. One of the things that was a stipulation that I wanted to happen, that one of the things that I said to every coach is like, hey, like I want to redshirt. That was the thing I told everybody. Because at this time right now, I'm, six, I'm 17, right? So I'm 17 years old. 
And I felt like I wanted to register. I wanted to learn. I've never been on a team. I never played organized basketball before. I don't know what that's like. I feel like I need a year to adjust to. School. And this is just in your head, like you're like you this knew is, that you. Yeah, needed like to- I felt like you know, like I needed more time, and people didn't understand what I was talking. Like you don't choose to register. We if we think that you should register, that's what we choose to register you. Or you have but, an injury, or you right. transfer, or whatever. But I was like, no, like I feel like this is what I need to do. And they said um, a lot of coaches weren't weren't happy with that. They were like, they we want need you to you play, right get out here. Like, get- we feel, no, like we need you right now. Like we could, but I was like, yo, I, I know, like, but I'm very raw. Like I know that this time would really help me, which ended up being the case because I really needed that, that extra time. And so uh, when I got to uh, Vandy and I took my visit there, it's just like it was a different feel. I know the coach; I felt his energy and his passion towards the game, mm-hmm. and he told me from the start. He said, "Listen." You're a project. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it's your game needs a lot of work. But I'm going to work with you. I'm not going to recruit over you. You're going to be my guy. Right now, we have a starting center. But you're going to be my guy. I'm not recruiting anybody else to come over you. Right? And having that conversation with him and having the conversation, meeting my teammates, and it was dope. Because a couple other visits I went on, I went on a visit to a school where the other center, I dunked on the center, and he tried to fight me. This uh-huh. is during the game. So, like... I went on some visits with guys that, like, they didn't really rock with me. Right. Just because they felt like I was coming to take their spot. Right. But when I went to Vandy, they were like, yo, we need, like, your athleticism, what you bring. Like, we feel like it'll be good for us. Right. And so um, that coupled, coupled with the school, I went to school in Nashville, which was a whole different vibe right. from what I was used to. So I was like, man, this is really, like, I like this. But the school I really wanted to go to was Stanford. Uh. That was my dream school. I wanted to go to Stanford, and it's not like I picked, like, coming from Sacramento, I wanted to go to Stanford. That's how I, I envisioned everything. I was like, yo, I'm going here. It's great school, great basketball program, and now I'm going to become a doctor. So see how my mind is? You're not even thinking playing the NBA. How? How can I think about playing the NBA? I just started playing basketball. I don't even think it's a possibility. So when I, I think that, you know, that was one of the schools, and they had the two bigs in the Lopez twins. Oh, right. And so they didn't need me. But everybody else is calling me. So it was like this crazy conflict you. in my head. Like, they want me, but you don't want me. That's I got crazy. You. One of the reasons why I didn't want to go to school in California. Like, I was like, nah, forget that. I'm going to go somewhere else, and I'm going to go do what I need to do. Right. And so, like, the SCs, the UCLAs, the Cal Berkeleys, all the, I, they were great schools. But I was like, nah, I want to go somewhere else. Uh. And so even taking, I didn't know what to expect going to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was actually one of the first schools I crossed off my list. I didn't know what it was. I was like, Vanderbilt, what? Right. That was a junior college. I was like, right. I'm not going to another junior college. Right. But when I went there, I was so blown away by, first of all, the city and the culture, right? Country music, that's not really, it wasn't really my thing because my parents actually listened to a lot of country music <laughs> and funny. I hated it. Right. I was like, I don't want to hear this shit anymore. Right. But when I got there, it was just cool people. Southern hospitality is a real thing, man. Uh-huh. They, they really, really took care of me. And it was like, I, I enjoyed my my time. So, you know, when it came down to it, I chose Vanderbilt. I thought that that would be the place to go. And it felt like there was something calling me there. And did you did you stay four years? I graduated, yeah. You So you redshirted yeah. the first year? So I, I actually stayed five because I, I redshirted the first year. Right. So I redshirted my first year and I played four years. First two years, I barely played. Right. I was coming off the bench five minutes and then 10 minutes the next year. The guy in front of me is an Australian player, which 
it's funny because I also played with an Australian player when I got to the league. Right. But uh in Bogut. But um AJ Ogilvie, big guy, seven footer, I mean skilled, very skilled. It was supposed to be lottery his freshman year. Mm. He got some he had some injury issues uh at the time, so he decided to leave and go back to Australia. Mm. When he leaves, the coach kind of hands me the keys to the car. And at the time, um, it was between there we had it was another center who was another backup as well. His name was Steve Changang, who's actually one of my best friends now. And the difference between me and Steve starting the starting center spot the next year, our junior year, was a flip of a coin. He said, you guys have been killing it all practice, all preseason. Like, I don't know what to do. So you guys are going to actually switch back and forth. Game to game. Game to game. I start, he starts. <laughs> right. But as, 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 after like three games, there was just something about, you know, the, the my defensive presence in the paint that just, you know, that took it, took our team to another right. level. And he was like, hey... You know what? Kind of like doing Wade did with LeBron. Like, right. hey, man, you, like we both need each other. I will be the backup for the right. team. And seeing somebody like that, because if initially we didn't like each other, so right. we were really like rock. But for him to be, see, that's the type of person. Like, I I like to surround myself with people like that because you see the big picture. For us to win, like we need each other. Got you. And so he gave me, you know, that starting position. That's when I became an NBA prospect that year. Was because. I came in that before that summer. I, I've never put in work like that, like I have in my whole life, because my coach told me, "Hey, this is gonna be your year." And I went home. I did everything. Like if you talk about working out, I don't think there's any workout that you can look at out there. Whether it's running on the dunes, whether it's boxing, whether it's yoga, whether you were it's doing everything. Running out night, whatever. Like I'm doing everything, and my body feels like crap. But like I'm, I'm ready to go the next year. And I come in my junior year, and uh, I became an NBA prospect. That's kind of how the whole thing started. So when I um, talk about adversity, I've seen a lot of it. And this next phase was my biggest. That's, that was one of my, another adversity I hit. So after my junior year, I had the chance to come to the NBA. I was going to be a lottery pick. Uh, and what year was this? This is my third, this is 2011. Okay. And uh, I had a conversation with my mom. And I think 2011 was also the lockout year. Yes. Maybe? 2011? Yeah. So that coupled with the fact my mom and my, my parents, actually, there was no way I was leaving college early. I wasn't going to leave. Halfway through, oh, I, I also missed to say, uh, I also missed saying that after two years, um, I decided that basketball was going well. So I, I switched from pre-med because I couldn't dedicate all my time to both. I switched from pre-med and I, I chose another professional uh, degree, which is economics. I just couldn't do both anymore. So at this time now, I'm like, I'm invested. Like, I want to do right. this. But my parents felt like I needed my degree. Right. And I, I didn't really argue with them because I actually love college. I had right. a good time in college. Um, so the next year, my senior year, I get hurt. Ah. Uh. Before in the preseason, I tear, like I land, like some, um, it's in practice, somebody undercuts me. And um, I land, I tear my, my MCL, my PCL, my Shit. knee. Shit. Holy fuck. Like this is this is this is real, right? This is like the thing you hear about in movies. Like you come back, you get hurt. My coach was so distraught because he was one of the people that told me I should come back. So he was like, he didn't even know how to act. And one of the first, I just like I just lay there. I was like screaming, like pain, all this crazy stuff. And later on that night, I'm sitting there and I'm like same thing. Like I'm tears running down my eyes. I just start laughing. 
I was like, it was just like, it was so, it was like a movie to me. I felt like something, something changed in my mind that night. It was just like, this is where I'm at. Uh. This is where I'm at. So what am I going to do about it? And from that point, that night, I had my, I had my, my knee fixed. Or I was supposed to be out for, no, I didn't have a fix, actually. I had a choice to do the surgery or to leave it and it kind of heals on its own. If right. You, if you bent, if you keep it for six weeks locked up. I played in a game six weeks later with Did- my knee bandaged up. Like I couldn't even bend my knee. That's how much it was bandaged up. But I was like, yo, like I watched my team. Like I've always been a team first guy. Right. And my team struggled a little bit. And I was just like, you know what? Get me out there. Right. And I don't know if it was a smart decision or not. It's just that's kind of the thing that's in me. Like I, I want to be out there. I'm a competitive dude and I I'm gonna be out there on the court with my knee like that. I actually played against Steph's school. <laughs> it was after right after he left. And I had I, I might have had like 17 and 9. Uh. With my with not being able to jump, like I couldn't. Dunk. And you didn't get the surgery. No, I didn't. I didn't. And um, you know, one of the one of the the most one of the most precious things about that process for me was that right after I had that surgery, up until I didn't play, I didn't practice. I was there with my team every day. One of the most my amazing most amazing accomplishments that I had was that. I got voted by my team unanimously to be the team captain. Uh, my attitude through that whole process, I don't even know where I got the strength, to be honest, because I just felt like they needed me. I, I was going to be there. I, I've always been the team first guy. And so um, going from that and then, you know, playing with my team, I, we played that whole year out. You know, we were SEC, we were, the first time we won the SEC championship that year, we actually beat Anthony Davis and the Kentucky Wildcats, we beat them that year in the SEC championship. Right. And that year was so amazing and everything that kind of, but it came from that moment. Like, I let's, got you. let's go back and rewind to the start of the season when I had that, when I had that injury. I really was like, I could have just quit. I got you. You know, and I take all these experiences. I was drafted by the Golden State Warriors. Um, Five the, picks before Draymond Green. Yeah, yeah. So when you get so when, so when you go through the process, you go through the draft camps and all stuff, and you go get you get drafted. You've been playing basketball five years. It's 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 it was insane. At that point, I've been playing for five years. I've been playing organized basketball for five years. So I just get drafted. I mean, Coach Kerr calls Draymond a future Hall of Famer. So I mean, think about that. But to me, it was just like I, I just couldn't believe where I was at, how I got there. I worked hard so I can do all that, but. When I got drafted, that's and they called crazy, my name. and that's it's fast. Insane. It's insane. And was was David Stern or was it David Stern? So it's like the last, like almost last like the pick. end. Yeah. So you get Matter drafted. Of fact, that was his last. Yeah. So I was the last last time he called a name. The, the, that was the last regime. Wow. And I didn't never thought about that. Yeah, I mean, and now now you got my man Adam Silver. That's incredible. That's crazy. That's historic. Wow. So, so you get drafted by Golden State Warriors. You, you you get drafted ahead of Draymond Green. How how often does Draymond Green remind you you got drafted before me? Like, what what is it? To be young- honest, we never. To to be honest, like Draymond is one of the best teammates I ever had. But what is he like? like He's such he, a sort of controversial figure. Like, nah, you either love is. him or hate him. I love him. I, I fucking love Draymond. Like, that's probably one of the best <laughs> teammates I ever had. Just because, um, 
his passion for the game, like his passion for life. Like, dude, is he's on 10 all the time. Right. Me and Draymond got into it a lot while we were there, but it was always love. Like, it was like, when we were on the court, like all that, like all that, he talks a lot, even in practice. It's even worse than practice. You know, people see it on the court, like, oh man, this is just, no, like this is him all the time on the court. And match my own energy, which is like, yo, when it's time to go and we're being competitive, like we're about to fight. Like, uh-huh. you know, like it's no, if stands a bust about it. So I think that that's, you know, being a person like that, being someone who will do anything, I, I think that's the biggest thing uh, I love about him. He will do anything to help. If you're on his side, Draymond rides with you. Uh-huh. Like 100%. Uh-huh. That's all it is. And he makes that team go. He makes everybody get better. He's not afraid to call you out. If, and But that was why that team worked so well is because there was no egos, Right. There's egos to be better. Like, obviously, Steph is, you know, this the Houston Rockets Golden State series about to start, right? Obviously, Steph is going against Chris Paul, like, yo, I'm coming for you. Clay's going for James Harden, like, yo, I'm coming. There's egos in that regards, but there's no egos when you're coming to your team. You know? I got you. We all have to work together. So having a guy like Draymond on that team works very well because he's not afraid to call you out and tell you, yo, you're not trying hard today. When you finally make it to the NBA and, and you're a Golden State Warrior, and and I say to you, what's your first memory of playing in an NBA game? And, you know, you're still learning about the game. You're still learning about the history of the NBA. What is your first memory of being on the court like, oh, shit, I'm out here? My first memory, man, was, was preseason, actually. We were playing in Ontario. My first game, NBA game, was against the Lakers. This is a Lakers team with Kobe, Dwight Howard, Powell Gasol, Steve Nash. And I'm talking about people that I've been watching, I mean, my short lived my short career, but I've been watching these guys. I know Kobe. Matter of fact, I've known Kobe since I was in Nigeria. I didn't know what, like, I didn't know much about it, but I've I've heard his name on video games many times. Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, like I heard these names growing up. And so, you know, matter of fact, when Kobe retired, I wrote a little excerpt. Uh, um, that it, it, it was called before I knew the game I knew your name uh. you know because back then I would hear people shoot paper in the trash can and say Kobe but I didn't know who he was I come to learn about basketball and then he inspires me to be a better player because of how much he puts into everything matter of fact he's dealt with a couple of injuries as well right he came back and was a killer right so my first game was against the Lakers and I'm walking to the center circle. I'm starting. I walk to the center circle and, da- and I'm dapping up Kobe Bryant. Like my fist touched his fist. And I felt like I was like, I just, I, I had to play it cool, but I'm a rookie. And I just got to the NBA. So what I, I'm dapping up this future Hall of Famer, best player in the planet. Like, this is crazy to me. Were you tripping out? Man, dude, I'm in the game. I'm I'm almost like about to call somebody, call a ball boy. Yo, get my phone. Let's take this picture before the game. You know what I mean? And that game started off, and it was so, like, I was still so much in awe. Like, I didn't even know how to, like, I think I forgot how to play basketball for the first five minutes of the game. Because, like, Dwight Howard caught the ball in the post. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm guarding Dwight Howard. You know what I mean? That's crazy. I think that those kind of memories, I, I really cherish those memories because it takes, it's a lot. It's a lot to go from being in awe of these guys to being a competitor against these guys. How do you flip that switch where we're- Comp- Competition. Like it's, it's, when at a certain comp- point, there's no more fandom. It's like, yo, we're at out here. At a certain point, it's like, you were trying to beat me. Like, I'm not, 
if I'm over here messing around, like I'm gonna lose. I hate, I hate losing. That's another thing about me. Another thing that really pushes me to be better. I hate losing. Who who were the uh, in your first year? Uh, obviously, you're playing with Draymond. We all know. I'm he playing talks. with Steph. I'm playing with Clay. I'm playing with Draymond. I'm playing with David Lee. I'm playing with uh, Bogut. I'm playing. I mean, uh, shoot, Harrison who, Barnes. Right. This is this is the this crew. Is, my class is Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, Kent Bazemore. Right. You know, and so we all on the same Golden State Warriors team in 2012. But when when you get in league, especially the early years, who are the biggest trash talkers? Like who are like who are the dudes that like you were like yo? KG was in the league. KG, KG would, would come at you crazy. Uh, I just remember the people I was guarding. Right, that's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, shoot. Do I would just be smiling all the time and laughing? That shit used to annoy the crap out of me. Because <laughs> he would be busting my, busting my tail and just smiling the whole time. Uh, um, the biggest sh- smack talkers. Kobe could talk too. Watch out, young fella. Oh, uh, no, nah, don't jump. Uh, man, I can't. To be honest, man, like I know Kenya Martin was another person. Like, right. He was he was with the Knicks at the time. So they just they just had a, they had, I mean, to go from there, right? To go from fandom and the guy who was who's admiring these Lakers teams. And I remember before that season started, they had already given the, the Lakers the championship that year. Before they the season started. Dwight Howard, Kobe, Steve Nash on the right. same team. Right. That that's a done deal. Right. Everybody's playing for second but that place. That just didn't work. Going from that to us now being the hunted and being the team that won 73 games that broke the record in history. Like, I mean, people don't understand that it takes a lot of work, man. Tell me about like that, that that team and that season and obviously losing to LeBron. And listen, I'm a Knicks fan, but I am a Golden State Warriors adopted redheaded child fan since World Be Free, uh, since, you know, Chris Mullen, the run TMC. Like I was like, Yo, I and you know, I, like as much as I can, as much as I respect LeBron, I wanted you guys to kick their fucking ass. So, but, but before that, 2015. So you, yeah, so I mean, you you win the, you win to, it. So yeah, we get there the year before we get there as a class. You know, Steph was dealing with injuries. Um, the team wins 15 games out of 82. They win 15 games, so win the lottery. Um, so Harrison, me, Draymond, Kim Bazemore. Then we get Bogut. And so this team now is like a brand new team. Nobody knows who we are. Mark Jackson is the coach at the time. I mean, that's probably one of the – I still don't understand how he doesn't have a job. At the time, he he comes out and he says, proclaims to everybody, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the best shooters in the world. Everybody. I'm pretty sure you thought he was crazy when he said that. I mean, when he, I think where he said the best backcourt. He said the best backcourt in the history of the game. Right. Yeah. It was like, it was like, yo, this is nuts. What are you talking about? We talking about Michael Jordan. We talking about it. But everybody now, is this so crazy now? No. And so that was the type of person he was. He was a visionary. Mark. For us. Mark Jackson was a visionary for our team. And so he told us our rookie year, I've never been around this much talent on one team. We're so young but we have everything we need to win a championship. We thought we were going to win a championship my rookie year. So we came in 2012, 2013. We thought we were going to win an NBA championship. We came through. We got to the playoffs. First time making, or second time making the playoffs in 20 years. We get to the playoffs, and we're facing the Denver Nuggets in the first round. Nobody picked us. I had the picture. We all posted it up on the board of all the different 
analysts and everybody who's so supposed to be smart in basketball that picked the Denver Nuggets to beat us. The right. Denver Nuggets at the time had the record for home court. Like they like they broke a record that year for home home court wins and we're going against them in high altitude Denver. Right. First two games, I remember as a rookie, my first two playoff games, they said the playoff atmosphere is crazy. You don't even know what to expect. It's so crazy. We get to Denver and the atmosphere was eh. Mm. Eh, it was cool. It was, I mean, none more than anything that we, any high power game we played in, in Oakland. Game three, we played at home in Oakland. I have never heard an arena that loud in my whole career. That's the, that game is that even, the, one game in my whole even life. Even more than the finals. My whole life. That game, because it was the first time we had, and, and granted, like, you have to remember, like, Tickets started getting expenses each year. I got you. That was that. like the beginning that of it. That was like the, the 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 core. That was like the 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 fans who had been there for 20 years yeah, starving yeah, for yeah. something. And they came out the whole I couldn't hear shit on the court. Like, dude, the energy was after I got done with that game, after we got done, we beat them. That was the first time Steph shot the ball and turned around and smacked somebody. Like it, right. was, it was the you I'd never seen Steph play like that. He he turned superhuman. Well, actually, I had seen him play like that a couple of times. He played like that in New York, actually, when he had 55. But um, that was the first time the world had seen him. Right. And so going from so that team, we had the belief in ourselves. We we got injured as the year went on. People got injured. I got hurt. Boga got hurt. Right. You know, Harrison had some. So a bunch of people, so the team got depleted. Andre Godala comes in the next year. We go to seven games with with the Clippers in the finals. In right. The, not in the finals, in the first round. Right. And that, that year I was hurt. Right. I missed that whole season. The following year, it's the th- my third year is 14-15. And we come into that season with everybody intact. Right. And that was the season that we go on. And we didn't know what to expect. That was Coach Kerr's first year. Right. So we didn't know what to expect. Is that the 73 wins? No. That was the next the, year. Yeah, that was the next year. And so that 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 year was when, you know, we had, you know, Steph coming in his own. Um, I think, was that the year after Steph signed? I can't remember, but. No. Um, yeah, so everybody was like, everybody was was ready. Like, we were just primed and ready to, to, to play some ball. And. We went through that year. We got to the playoffs, and everybody was healthy. First time we had that happen, and I think New Orleans was the first time we got to really, really see Steph be Steph. <laughs> right. And then from there, it was just like, I, I to me, it's, it's all a blur after that. The Russell Westbrook, KD, Oklahoma City Thunder, um, and then the, the finals versus LeBron, who's... That wasn't that wasn't that year though. That, that was, was the next year. That was you talking about the next year. This is the year we won the championship. Was yes. the year we go through we go through New Orleans, we go through uh Memphis, we go to Houston. Right. With, and then we go to the Cavs. And playing against the Cavs and and LeBron and that team. What, what what I mean, he was so good in that in that He I mean, he that was the series where he he had lost um Kyrie and Kevin Love. And I've never seen a human being do what he did in that series. Like he, you pretty much have this one guy where you have everybody trying to stop him. We literally are switching four different guys on him: Draymond, Harrison, uh, Andre. Everybody, go guard this guy. 
and let's try to get him tired. And it's, it didn't – he was averaging, what, 40, 15, 10. Like it was the craziest. And when we won, and, and before we, the, the final game six of that series, you know, we had a team meeting. Um, we were up 3-2 uh, or 3-1 at the time or something like that. And we're about yeah, to win. And we're about to win game six. We had a conversation in the locker room, like, yo, listen, like, this is it. Andre said, I have nothing left to give y'all. This is it. I'm giving y'all everything this game. And that was where he won the finals MVP. Uh, right. He started that, that last game. But we won finals MVP for basically keeping LeBron in sort of but some... that's but that's what it is, though. Like, that's what the finals MVP at this point now, the finals MVP goes to the person who stops LeBron. Kawhi. Right. Like, that's that's what it is because it's such a task. The dude is an amazing well, guy. Well, I mean, what, is, what is it like being on the court with him and he's cooking like that? I mean, and, and, and like I would say, in his prime, but his, he might be in his prime right now. Like, I don't know how I he could I don't know. That's 15 years of, you know, taking care of your body, 15 years of, you know, keeping your mind sharp and studying the game and understanding and just getting better in that regards, but... Physically, what he's able to do and, and play the amount of minutes that he's able to play, um, I just I don't understand it. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, I, I don't get it. But I don't understand why the conversation of him versus Michael Jordan cannot be had. We, had that con- we started having that conversation eight years ago. Right. And people were saying, well, LeBron versus MJ. Well, he's not there yet. Eight years later, the things that he's been able to accomplish, I still don't understand why you can't have that conversation. Right. He's not going to have the same career as MJ. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not going to be no. the exact same. No. But if you look at the body of work, it's, it, if you it, look at the, the, the load that he's asked to carry on a daily night. And to keep doing it. I mean, people will start having arguments. Like, I listen to all these, these arguments and it's, the, it's almost like a cult to me. That's how I feel about this, the Michael Jordan-LeBron conversation because- it's not even about, like, I think it becomes, like, blasphemous after a while. It's like, no, you can't say that because that's the... But I'm just talking about, you know, look at our generation, what he's able to do. Eight finals in a row. Like, I went to two finals in a row and, like, I, I mean, the my body is, is crazy. Like, just how, how I felt after that. So, what he's able to do on a nightly basis... It, and still keep getting better. <laughs> it's still in the MVP conversation at year 15. That's He's that's the MVP amazing. this year. That's amazing. He's he the MVP every year. Um, okay, so specifically, I want to go to the two series that, I mean, they pushed me. I'm not even from Golden State. I just wanted you guys to win. The Oklahoma City, three. you, you guys are down 3-1. That's the the series that Clay hits yeah. the twenty seven or twenty six in one quarter, and then you guys are up three one. And this is, I'm sure, like this is this still must so give you like down, we were down three one, and we after winning seventy three games, like at the end of the year, there it was it was kind of it was a it was a struggle. Did you feel like the, the engine was like slowing down? Like, did you feel like um, shit? We well, did- okay, so the Thunder was so good. Like, they they were, you know, when we got in the league, matter of fact, when I was in college watching the NBA, they were what the Warriors are now, which is the run and gun, but they have Kevin Durant, who is, Kevin Durant is their Steph Curry, but he's 6'11". Right, he's nasty. So, like, I mean, talk about not being able to stop somebody. He's, you know, he does all what he does, which is shooting, 
But he goes in the post and, you know, so it's just like, this dude is amazing. And then they have shot blocking and Serge Ibaka. And then they have a big presence with, I think Kendrick was there at the time. Yeah. And then they have uh, Steven Adams. Steven Adams was raw. But he's a when goon. He first, when, when I, yeah, but at this time when we played him, and he's a goon. So he's like a matchup with Draymond, which is like, you know, so it's matchup with the bigs that we have. It, the whole team was was set up in such a way that it was they were they were supposed to be in the finals, right? But given the type of guys that we had and the, we were always going to try to win. We were always trying to figure out a way to win, right? Um, they asked Clay the game. I mean, the game after I think it was game five where we were supposed to lose over there, or, right? Or game six where Clay goes crazy in that one quarter. I mean, it was yeah in this whole second half, but that one quarter. <laughs> when you when you're watching that and you're 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 out there playing with him, you're on the bench, you're watching the whole thing. Like, are you almost like he? You carried- almost start you almost start watching after a while because like you're going to set a screen for somebody and they just pull it from half court and what do you do? I go rebound? Okay, all right, we'll just keep going. We we'll just go back. When those guys, particularly Steph and, and, and Clay, they're such good shooters. And if you're setting a screen like you know like by the three point area, like are you just? assuming it's going to go, and you've watched them in practice. You know, I, I told you I got to watch a Golden State Warriors practice, and uh, this guy, Clay, who's like the guy who gets the least credit because Draymond's the loudest, Katie's Katie, Steph's Steph. Clay, I'm watching this guy work out full sweat on yeah. a game day. Like, you've seen it every day. Like, yeah. are, are you like, that's going in? I've seen it. I've seen so much crazy stuff happen in practice that when you get to the games, it's just like, uh, yeah, that's going. I mean, no matter what, half court, three point line, layup, like it's all going in because you see it so much. I mean, Steph made 77 three pointers in a row in practice. You saw him do it. Like we were all there. 77 three pointers in a row. But it's just it's it's repet- repetition. They do this every day. It's not like they come in and this is some supernatural ability. It becomes that because they work at this every day. Steph has been doing this. They all work hard. Clay does this every day. They have their routines, and so yeah, they're gonna make a lot in a row because this is what they do. Like I, I this is second nature to me. That's why he can shoot the ball and turn around and know he's going in because I've done this so many times. You can't understand it. I've shot this millions of times from this spot. KD said that last year when he pulled up on LeBron. He said, I've been working on this shot for years. Right. You just happen to see it right now. You don't, right. You're not in practice with me. But that's what we do as basketball players. We work on our shots all the time. Right. But they are elite because they're, they're elite level work. Yeah, they're just... Work ethic. When I ask you about like the, the, the 73 win series and you, the up 3-1 against LeBron... Is it still hard to stomach how frustrating that series was after all the highs of the 73 wins, after coming off a championship, after having this fucking guy down? You had them fucking down. How, like, is it still, like, do you, like, lay it, if, you, if your mind gets on, obviously, you you know, you move on with life, you deal with injuries. Nah, but like, if you, you don't move on from that. Is like, it still hard to, be, like. It's always going to be something in the back of my mind of, like, what could I have done. What could we have done? How did that happen the way it was supposed to happen? Um, I was with the guys this year at the start, the first game of the season this year when they got their rings from this past season. <laughs> and there was a, I was so happy for my guys. Like those are my brothers. We went through so many battles together. And yeah, but they're always going to be my brothers for life. And I was so happy for them. On the second side of it is 
they just got retribution from that. They got retribution from that 3-1 loss, which was the most humiliating. Everybody, I was in Europe um, earlier. I was in Europe, and people know about this all over the world. Like, that's what the Warriors were. We were a symbol all around the world. People were rooting for us from everywhere. And so it became, we became like a, I don't even know what you call them, like a rock star group or something. Right. And so for us to lose that series the way we did, I, I, we could always talk about Draymond's suspension and how it played out. And But the team was beat up and LeBron and Kyrie were just too damn good. They were just too good. There was nothing, there was nothing to do to stop those guys once they got going. What do you remember about the locker room afterwards when they won? What do you say about that? Like, we just, there's nothing to say. It was, it was just like, damn. <laughs> like, and it put life in perspective. Like, I think one of the greatest moments of my life was winning the championship the year before. One of the worst moments of my life was losing that championship. The year before, we didn't expect, well, you always expect to win, but you don't expect to win because when you win, it's like, oh my God, this is euphoric. I can't believe this actually happened. And so in that regard, we didn't really expect to win because it's amazing. And then when you expect to win and then lose, probably one of the worst worst moments in my life. Just like I, I said before, I hate losing, but then losing in the way that we did, Especially given that I wasn't a hundred percent and able to help my team the one I wanted to, I mean, it still it, it haunts me till today. I bet. And I don't want to play basketball if that is the way that I get to play basketball. You mean so, physically, like physically. being? Yeah. No. So I, I want to win. I want to be. I'm a winner. Like right. I, I, that's how I see. I view myself. So I want to be able to do what I do on an elite level. Was- so that's why I put myself through this whole process of I don't care how long it takes me. I will be back, and I'll be back at full strength. When, you know, you're highly educated, your story is so unusual in terms of making it to the NBA, the business of basketball, Katie gets traded uh, or picked up, free not traded, free agents, they got to make space. Is it a tough pill? Like, you're, you're drafted by this team, this iconic team. You guys go through uh, everything it takes to make it to a championship. You go through the, 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 the losing a championship. Is it, like, the business of basketball and, like, having to be separated from something that's so near and dear to your heart? Was that, like, a hard thing? Or were you like, well, this is just the way this business works and we'll have these memories? Like, is it hard to sort of separate? Because it's like, you know, when you get traded – uh, uh, you know, I didn't get traded. You, you got what? I, I signed with. Right. Okay. So, like signed. Yeah. But when, but when you have to like move on in your basketball career, yeah. is it a tough? Or are you like, I mean, yeah. like, how so do you process I, I'll that, tell especially a story, about something actually, so special? Hey, I'll tell a story about uh, the first time I was a part of an NBA trade. Uh, the my rookie year, um, we had a few guys on our team: Charles Jenkins, Jeremy Tyler, and I think. Did Kent Bazemore get traded? No, he didn't get traded that year. And so that year, a couple guys got traded from our team. This is us as rookies. This is me, Draymond, Harrison as rookies. And we come, we were kind of waiting around before the trade deadline. I think five minutes before the trade deadline, it comes through. And so they call us in the locker room, and we have a meeting. And during this locker room meeting, like, they break down in tears. Like, we're literally all sitting there like – 
man, this is crazy, man. This business is wild. Like, we're, and this is us. This is our introduction. This is Mark Jackson walking in the locker room. Like, we always family, man. We always family. And that was my first introduction to being traded, the business of basketball. And it's, it's hard for you to take it personally because everybody wants to win. And that's, it has to happen. But it doesn't make it any easier. So um, being through the, the trenches with my guys and my brothers, they're still my guys still today, obviously. Right. And I still talk to them and support them and everything. Um, but, yeah, of course, yeah, seeing, seeing the team broken up, I, I felt like if we stayed together, we could have, we would have absolutely gotten retribution. But um, with the team that they had and seeing them winning last year, I was just as happy for them I'm as sure. I would have for myself. You know, so it's exciting. It's also inspiring. When when so here we are. There's four teams left. Give me your analysis of Cleveland, Boston. I'm in a conundrum. I can't, I, as a New York Knicks fan, I can't root for Boston, but I'll never root for man, Cleveland. You can't root against them, though. Them young boys are hooping, man. They're, I'm with them. I have to do it. But it's like, for me, it's like, it's really like, I have to like, it's a distorted thing. Like, I'm rooting. Can't you just root for the East Coast? That's my excuse. <laughs> I'm working with different excuses because I'm not rooting for Cleveland. And those dudes are, I mean, Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown and that coach Rozier. and like, and, and my man Horford. Uh, Horford is, is on a terror right now. I love and, the way he I plays. I think he's an understatement. I think when he signed his contract last year, people <laughs> were in awe of like, why? How? He's now like, you're seeing it. Last night you saw He's carrying a whole team on his back with young guys and they have an, an attitude of, you're not going to outwork us. And you will be surprised at how much that, that, that can win you games in the NBA. Mm. Just the attitude alone. Forget the X's and O's. The games, that the, the little things like being able to have each other's back. Defense. Rozier goes over to Joel and B. He gets an offensive rebound. At the end of the game, Rozier goes over and slaps the ball out of his hand. Hit, goes off his knee, out of bounds. That's the game right there. Mm -hmm. Little things like that. That's having an attitude to have your teammates back. I was a part of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I know what that is. I know why that wins you championships. Mm -hmm. That's why you can't count those guys out. So I actually love that team. I love the way they play. They move and cut just like the Warriors and just like the Spurs. And I, I, I love that about their game. It's not standing and watching. Mm -hmm. So that's basketball. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, the, the, that's the real essence of basketball. That's mm -hmm. how it should be played. And that's how what I learned from being with the Warriors. So that style of play... Watching them play against Philly, it, Philly, the way they win and the way they beat people before is, is youth, right? So they're this talented group of guys. They make a lot of threes, but they out-hustle everybody. Mm -hmm. That was their thing. They have TJ McConnell come in. Dario Saric is a beast on the boards, mm -hmm. understated. I think that's one of their X factors in that, on that team. JJ Redick is obviously doing his thing, but all these guys hustle and they outfight you and outwork you. And Ben Simmons can't shoot, but he's out there averaging 18 points a game. How? They outfighting you. But they got to the Boston Celtics, and the Boston says, nah, you're not going to outwork us. You got to do something else. Mm. And it was just like for the first time in the whole year, they got punched in the mouth, and they looked like rookies. That's why it's, sometimes you have to go through those moments, though. I think that's what makes champions. I you agree. have to go through those moments of where you get punched in the mouth and you get beat up, and then you come back the next year as a better team of, yo, this is what we got. We got the experience now. That's what it is to have experience. That's why it's so important for everybody when they say, well, that team, they're good, but they don't have the experience. That's what it means because they don't know what it's like to have that adversity of everything is not going our way. How do we win? I got you. I you agree. Um, so that being said, LeBron is freakier than ever. Yeah, I don't know how you go from a game seven with the Indiana Pacers. Um 
to just sweep in the number one team in the conference. I don't, that's just, I mean, I don't know if it's mind control or it's, it's incredible. And he, he ruined them. They should have just, after that game three shot, that, that off the backboard, yeah. they should have just. I, you know what it is though? I think that, I think there was something about, you know, that game one, the game one that they won in Toronto, that gave that team so much life. The confidence in our sport is everything. It gave the Cleveland Cavaliers so much life, so much so that Tristan Thompson came out the next game and had 12 and 14. Like, yo, I'm back. Like, you know, like right. everybody wanted a piece of the right. Toronto Raptors right. at that point because of the confidence they gave him from game right. one. And so that was just a tough thing. Once that train starts rolling, I told you about the even that 3-1 lead, we had him down. But with a suspension of Draymond and us not being the best, Bogut gets hurt, I'm hurt. Steph is still hobbling. It's just like it was a, a train that we couldn't stop. Mm. You know, so in our in our sport, it's it's confidence is a huge thing. And I've watched this game. I watch games so much now, and I don't know if I'm turning into a basketball analyst, but I can no, read. Yeah, you, you, I can see. Like I see when somebody, I can see the slump shoulders of the damn. They got them. <laughs> ah man, he's about to miss that free throw because I was I was watching something, and I, I think Joel was struggling a little bit. And one of the times he gets fouled, he puts his hands up like, oh man, dude, I can't get a break. And I call it right before that. He's about to miss this free throw. Why? Because I just have seen so many clips of guys and their body language before different things. I'm right. starting to read everything. I'm reading. I know where guys, where the guys want to go now. I'm watching all these different things. That's how, you know, I've gotten better through my process. I got you. Obviously, you know, I'm rocking with my boys in Golden State. You know, they, they are. You knew where my next question was. They. This next series of them versus Houston is going to be interesting because it's the best of two different styles of play. Golden State Warriors, they move the ball. Every game, after every game, coach would come back, uh, Coach Kerr would come back into the locker room and, and we'd talk about number of passes. We would win the game by 20 and he would say, well, we didn't move the ball as much this game. We only had 200 passes. We got to do better. They're 370. I can't remember how many, what was the, the limit, but this is what we have to do every game. This is how we win. We win playing our style of, ball, uh, our style of basketball. That's what I never that, even heard that term number of passes. Yeah. Yeah, we had to we had to make sure everybody touched the ball because that make when you move the ball like that, it makes everything happen. Now you make the defense work. Now they're not they're not scoring like that on the other hand because they don't have any legs. And then you know, it's just it's basketball is a total game with the Golden State Warriors. I think that their style of play works the best for them. And when you have that, you have offense and defense on that team. Now you have the Houston Rockets who are, you know, they call it hero ball, but I think they just have elite scores. They have Chris Paul and James Harden. I've been a part of two series with the Houston Rockets, both years, the year we won and the year we lost. And they had Dwight Howard and, you know, obviously they had a little chemistry issues. In terms of the way they play, I've seen James Harden be – the Golden State Warriors will well you. They'll wear you out because you have to carry such a load on offense. And if you don't play defense, you're gonna get like everybody. Everybody shoots. Everybody scores. If you're not, they're not scoring. If you have me there, they're throwing the ball up to me. I'm dunking. Like it's just everybody's a threat. And so when you have that, it's so hard for you to play on one side of the ball. Mm. For the load that he had to carry those years. They keep talking about how he let his team down. It's just like I'm, t dude. I'm tired. <laughs> like mm -hmm. there's no. That's what the Warriors do. They mm -hmm. make you just. It's, he's tired. Mm -hmm. So now he has Chris Paul. Chris Paul is probably the best, one of the best point guards in the game. Playing the good. Point, I mean, he's playing amazing. He's the guy that he can be the captain of the ship. 
this is going to be a great matchup with him and Steph because they always go at it every time. Um, obviously, there was a point where, you know, there was an argument for the best two guard in the NBA and Clay Thompson and James Harden were, were, the, were the options. Um, if you go through those, then you go through the map. Every matchup is, is interesting. Right. Every matchup is interesting to me. Right. I agree. I mean, Trevor Reza is a great defender. He's long, athletic. Can you stop KD? That's going to be a hard, that's right. be a hard task. Right. But he's going to do his best. Clint Capella, he's been playing. I mean, he's probably the most improved player to me. I agree. Year. I mean, Victor Oladipo did his thing. But, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, what Clint Capella is doing. They're running pick and rolls for him now. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm watching this like, yo, this is amazing. And watching my African brother do his thing. I, I always support, you know, Joel. I support him. I support Victor Oladipo. All these guys are doing their thing. Um, so, yeah. So, watching him, you know, block shots, rebound, do all these things for their team, and then be that outlet, which is an offensive like, uh, rebounds or, you know, being able to get a dunk every time they drive and, you know, they're stuck. They just throw the ball up to them. That's, I mean, that is that is the essential point of the game. That's a very essential part of the game. So, who's winning this series? You, yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't go against what I, I mean, what, they're the <laughs> defensive champs. You have to get. You have to beat them. You have to beat the right. Yeah, you. There's no like we can't support you unless we see them be beaten. Right. They haven't been beaten yet. I agree. I first agree. time they they have they haven't had home court advantage since 2014. You know, so it's it's hard for me to go against those guys. I mean, not just being biased that they're my dues, more also because I mean they're a good team. They play basketball the way that I know is is a very hard way to stop. That's why Pop is such an amazing coach because he gets people to play basketball that way. Coach Kerr obviously tenured with him, so he played with under Coach Pop, so he knows what it is, why they are success, so successful. Well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be rooting for uh, Golden State, and then I, I want Golden State versus Cleveland uh, uh, again. But I, I Not hope Boston. Bo- I, I want Boston to kill him, but it's hard to bet against LeBron. It's hard to bet against I LeBron. It, like I like I would like Boston to to shut it down. But it's like betting against Tom Brady. It's like betting against yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard in his prime. It's like betting against Magic Johnson. Like it's 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 hard to bet I against. I thought Philly would have been a, such a good matchup for them. Right, but they just not ready. They then you know what? They're fine. These guys are twenty years old. Ben Simmons twenty. They're, they're, they'll be all right. You I'm can't talking just, about myself. I want to watch a good game. Right, but I think Boston is going. No, be they're going to be Boston good. is going to be a great. I want to see. It, they say you can't out out coach talent. But I still think that it's going to be a great, I mean, it's going to be a task for LeBron to be able to, you know, everybody talks about how his defense has slipped. I don't know what y'all talking about because he sat there and guarded. Granted, you call it, what'd you call it? You said the goaltending. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your Instagram, you're making fun of him goaltending against Lo Depot. But, you know, he can still, he breaks it out when he needs to. Yeah, and he, he given he's the, good. He's straight. Yeah, he, he don't get, no, he's fine. He, 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 it's going to be a good uh, Eastern and uh, Western Conference uh, Finals. All right, Festus Azili, I'm gonna let you go. We we talked so much shit, and I feel like we could keep going. Um, you should, you know, when you're done, you could be an analyst because just going off the cuff right here, like you, the way you talk about the game is 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 interesting. I like the way you it's talk about watching, basketball. It's just watching a lot of basketball and knowing like what it is that I want to get from it. I'm a defensive player, so I have to know all these different tendencies to understand how the game flows. Plus, playing with Golden State Warriors, they make you understand that stuff. But last off, I want to give a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out. So Rebuilding the Beast is the movement that I started, 
And what it is, is for everybody. I think that this whole process became much bigger than myself because people were supporting me from all over the world. Mm. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody who is going through some adversities in their life and have to tap into that inner beast mm. to get through it. I think that's what it's about. It's not about just being physically fit and, you know, getting through whatever ailments you have. It's also about, you know, challenges, people that can't pay their bills mm. and going through adversities and challenges, people who have someone die or someone is sick. And mm. You have to have something inside of you that keeps you going. And I've had people support me and they keep me going and being strong when you can't be strong mm. anymore. That's what it's about. So I want to give a shout out to, to Rebuilding the Beast and everybody who's been a part of the process and everybody who's rebuilding their beast right now. I appreciate that. That's dope. All right, Festus, I'm going to let you go. Keep going. My man. Uh, 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 we're going to stay in the gym. Uh, we got the cadaver knee. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, and I'm going to see you around Los Angeles, my man. You got it. All right, cool. That was dope. I told you it was dope. Hashtag Rebuilding the Beast, Festus Azili. Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for coming through. I want to have him come back and just talk straight hoops uh, throughout the playoffs. Again, me and G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. The Dust Brothers, Miles and Jordan, will be at the Clusterfest, clusterfest.com for tickets June 3rd in San Francisco. Uh, way to bring the noise, Monetti. Yeah. Festus, thank you for rocking with the best on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. You can follow him on social media. Talks a lot of shit. You can follow his workout. Follow uh, the results of his cadaver surgery, which he talked about. All that and more. Miles, Jordan, take us out of here with something funky. Stay tuned for all. Be on alert for all emergency episodes because one is coming shortly to an Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast app. Premium subscriber near you. Get the app. Pay the $2.99. You fuck you. Let me get something funky. I'm out. Peace.